0: The Poorly Made Police podcast is for entertainment purposes only. This podcast has explicit content and is meant for a mature audience. The views expressed on this Poorly Made podcast reflect the opinions of the guests and hosts. They do not reflect the opinion of any department or entity. Nothing on this Poorly Made podcast should be construed as legal or marital advice. If something offends you, I kindly invite you to lighten the fuck up. If you want to support this very Poorly Made podcast... relax, and enjoy the orgasmic sound of a Crown Vic. Oh, hey there. Welcome to another fun, exciting, action-packed edition of the Very Poorly Made Police Podcast. I'm your host, Lloyd. How are you guys? We're uh, nearing Christmas time, so if you're going to get on that PMPM merch train, now is the time. You're going to be running up against some shipping deadlines, if not already. This episode features one of my good buddies. His name is Tito. He does not work in the same police department as I, but he works in a similar police department that's had very similar issues, and he left around the same time as I did And about six months ago, he hit me up and I said, hey, dude, I went back. And I thought he was insane. We talked on the phone the other night and he was willing to come and talk about his experience leaving and coming back. So I thought it was, uh, I got to be honest, man, this is one of my favorite episodes. All all of them are my favorites. I, I lie. They're like my little babies. But this one I think is a really important one as far as the people that are, you know, Dealing with leaving or coming back and all of that stuff, I think you guys will enjoy it. And then a, a little friendly reminder, and I'll I'll shut the hell up soon. But I wanted to remind everybody that everything that's going to be coming out, basically December and early January, is because of uh, I got vacation and court and stuff coming up. It's not going to be timely, not that the podcast is always timely, but just forgive me if maybe there's old information. I don't think there should be, but it could happen. Real quick, before we get into the podcast, as always, I get to give huge, big, awesome thanks to OfficerPrivacy.com for making all of your Sunday podcasts possible. I wanted to talk to you guys this Sunday about why I think Officer Privacy is so important. You guys have heard me talk about him so much, and I'm going to share a story I may have told a while ago on the podcast, but in... I want to say it was 2018 and 2019, so kind of before all this craziness happened, one of the guys on my department sent out an email and said, Hey, guys, there's this issue we found where guys' information is just out there. And it was basically these people search sites, right? And he sent out this long email on how to delete it. It was very confusing. There were so many links you had to click and go through. And I had it on my to-do list. And I did one of them, and it was a huge pain in the ass. But I got my name off of there. And that was the only one I did because I had other shit to do that day. And I was like, I'll, I'll, I'll keep working on this. I'll try and do one at a time. I came back to that same website a month later, and my information was right back on there. So it was frustrating. It's a pain in the ass to do it. That's, to me, why office privacy is so important. I know all of you guys are busy. You guys are busy with families. You guys have extra jobs. You have two jobs. And on top of that, you got to worry about this, you know, I don't want to say impending doom, but there's a possibility you're involved in one of these critical incidents, and they're going to blast your home address everywhere, and it's going to cause a huge problem for you. You may have to move. So that's why I like officer privacy. If you sign up for the premium service, they take care of it for you. They remove you from these sites. They monitor the sites. You don't have to worry about it. Now, they also do have the do-it-yourself option, but it's not some janky email that has a million links on it, and no way to keep track of it all. They will show you what to do. They have an easy do-it-yourself option. They'll show you what to do and give you the tools to take care of it on your own if you want to do it that way too. Me personally, I'm busy. I'm going to sign up for the premium service. And you guys know I'm not on the job currently, but it, my privacy is still important. The last thing I need is one of these crazy blue hairs coming after me because I posted a, a silly picture on the internet that caused distress to their heart. Anyway, I've been talking for a while, and you guys want to listen to a podcast, and I haven't listened to Greenwood, a.k.a. Brownlow, in a little bit. So we're going to play that, and we'll be right back with my buddy Tito. now joining the podcast I have a personal longtime friend Tito how are you buddy good man how you been better than you because I think you're a dumbass but we're gonna talk about that because maybe <laughs> I'm the dumbass I guess we'll find out I guess we will find out are you having anything to drink Tito
1: absolutely I got uh I got a can of Coors here which uh Should quench my thirst. And then also a bottle of leftover whiskey from Thanksgiving, which is the uh, Leopold Brothers New York apple flavored whiskey. You ever had it? I have
0: not had it. I was like, oh, whiskey. And then she had apple flavored whiskey. And I was like, "Eh, I don't know.
1: Is it good? It's pretty good. So uh, it's super sweet. Anybody who's listening. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, it's, it's good. It's a dessert whiskey. A dessert whiskey? I didn't even know that was a thing. Absolutely. So what I did was, uh, I took an entire bottle of it and dumped it into my crock pot with a bottle, like a jug of apple cider and threw some cinnamon sticks in and then heated it up and it was served as a, uh, as a dessert
0: beverage and, uh, it sneaks You're up on you're taking your alcoholism to another level, and I'm I'm pretty cool with that. You're just
1: jealous. You didn't think of that first.
0: I am. You know what was my favorite thing to do since we're off track already? Thanks a lot, Tito. Is um, rum melons. You know, you, you cut a little hole in your watermelon and fucking pour a bunch of rum in it, shake it around a little bit, and then eat watermelon. That was rum melon.
1: I've never done that.
0: Oh, it's amazing. Although huh. if you go too far, you basically, you're eating rum. Well, it's like the, the same thing as a rum cake.
1: You know, you can, you can put as much rum as you want into a cake. You can still get drunk off eating a cake.
0: Doesn't it bake off in the oven? Yeah,
1: I think it does. I think that's the science behind it, but um, I still like to dream big,
0: you know? Okay. Okay. <laughs> By the way, I, I can't pass up a joke because I'm a child. You said you're drinking cores. Are the mountains at least blue? Yes.
1: It's Coors oh, Banquet, so I think they're always blue.
0: Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, heard... I, don't, I
1: don't drink diet beer.
0: You know, some of us are fat, and we have to drink diet beer, so fuck off, all right? Sorry if I touched a nerve. Ah, uh, well, it's easy to touch a nerve because they stick out so far. <laughs> I don't know if that made sense, but we're going with it. I am drinking... Um, I'm drinking my favorite whiskey, and that's Kirkland Irish whiskey. From Costco? Oh, my God. All right. I'm going to clue you in because you might not have heard it, but my brother is always drinking Kirkland whiskey, and I made fun of him for it, and that was a little while ago. And, of course, when he came out over Thanksgiving, he left Kirkland whiskey down here, and so I have to drink it. its I mean, it's not bad, but, yes, it's from Costco. I 100% at my wedding uh,
1: served nothing but the Kirkland whiskey. And we we drained like nine or, nine or ten bottles of it. Yeah. It was a
0: good time. <laughs> I like the no reaction to the Raptor at all. You're like, yeah. And it kept going on. Th- that was a Raptor? It was a raptor. Oh,
1: I thought. I thought
0: ah, clever girl. You passed the test. Everyone listening. That is the test. If you're ever on the podcast, if you want it to stop. So let's let's get to the meat of this. Sure. You, sir, we're a cop and we're going to go with a state unknown just to kind of help better protect your identity on this. How long were you a cop for uh prior to leaving like four and a half years
1: like four years why why did you leave so I left uh, right after the summer of love
0: <clears throat> mostly peaceful protests
1: yeah mostly mostly peaceful it was indeed um. I, after that point, and that was 2020, yeah, um, things changed where I was, uh, and there was a lot of unknown that was happening with, with law changes and stuff where, where I was at, and between the weight of that and the weight of just the community – the community just hating us, it felt like, and just being completely boxed in. I, uh, I decided to, to throw in the towel for a little bit and kind of focus on my, my mental health and be there for my, my daughter and my wife. And, um, I did that for a little over a year, just a little bit over a year. And in that time I had, I had some, um, time to reflect on how things were going and, and what direction, uh, law enforcement was going. And then also just like how I felt personally, I, I was happy when I left and I was happy, honestly, right up until I put in an application to go back to being a cop, but there was definitely something missing. Um, I, I missed the camaraderie. I missed, I missed my people, man. It's just like, yeah, I'm happy and I'm safe and I'm making good money. But it was just a big void. So had some conversations with the wife and with some people, you know, that were still, still on the job and are good friends of mine. And I, you know, I'm talking about guys who've been doing this for 20 years plus, and kind of getting their perspective on it and um, ultimately made the decision to go back. And now here I am.
0: No! I, I, I kid, but I I've had this circled, this podcast circled for a little bit since we, we talked a few weeks ago and we, we made the commitment to do this. Yeah. Because Myself and the listeners of the podcast, you know, I've I've struggled with my decision to leave on and off. I um it, it's hard because hindsight's 2020. I, I think ultimately I did the best thing for me and I don't regret leaving that police department at all. But. There's a lot of things I miss, man, and not to get like too personal, I. I still have that guilt like what if what if something happens to somebody that was supposed to happen to me or what if something happens to somebody that if I was there I could have prevented or whatever and I know that is kind of insane because you can't predict the future but it just is what it is you know
1: it's like a survivor's guilt that that I mean obviously no one's No one's died, thankfully, but that's like the only name that I can put to it was like a, yeah, like a survivor's guilt.
0: What I like about Tito is a lot of things, not just a shaft, but also, (laughs) also. (laughs) It's a great shaft. I know it
1: leaves you speechless. I know.
0: Oh, what's wrong with me? (laughs) But also, he is fucking organized, and he sent me some bullet points, which I appreciate because there's a lot of good stuff to talk about, and I don't want to put any pressure on future guests, but just something to think about, future guests, bullet points. there's shit you want to talk about, let's fucking talk about it because it is your show. (laughs) You even named the podcast. You even named the podcast and you named it it's only a mountain why only a mountain bro why
1: well not to get too philosophical here or anything but this job is it's a it's a giant fucking mountain and when you start at the bottom of your your career you know like as soon as you come out of fto or whatever and you're you're super stoked you're you're at the base of the mountain of course you're gonna have a a ton of energy right and gonna be super super jazzed up to do the job and i was you know i was uh, so
0: jazzed up i had jazz hands absolutely man like spirit fingers oh yeah i don't know what that (laughs) is should i know what that is
1: yeah spirit fingers from uh the movie bring it on
0: (laughs) wait is that from bring it on i can't remember where spirit fingers
1: is from like those aren't spirit fingers these are spirit fingers i think it is bring it on anyway regardless
0: Dude, we I'm get so off track, sorry so we, <laughs> no i this all of it's my fault you keep going i'll shut my fucking mouth
1: so you, you know like i said it's 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 a mountain man and uh we we all got to climb it that's that's the way it is um it's going to be tough it's going to be good you know you're going to have days where the weather's good and you have a nice walk you're going to have days where the weather's absolute shit or the terrain is just absolutely insane. And then you get out of it and then you, you, you kind of keep going. But the one perspective that, that I kind of have of, of the mountain, if you will. And the way I was feeling when I was gone, I, yeah. When I, when I did leave as I, I felt relieved, um, when I did leave and I I took time for myself and, and for my family and I was working a good job, but fuck man. Like I, I felt isolated. I felt alone and I absolutely wasn't. I have a ton of friends. I have a ton of family. I have a ton of support around me. It was just kind of like that. We discussed like kind of survivor's guilt, if that's what you want to call it. But I just felt isolated as, as fuck. And, uh, I realized I was still kind of stuck on that mountain, but I, I didn't have anyone else around me. And, uh, in that metaphorical sense of never really getting off the mountain is it's absolutely true. Like I, when I was a police officer, I was looking at the news and I was, you know, seeing all the violent crime and all the bullshit going on in the agency I was working. And I'm like, fuck, man, I feel like they need me you know like I feel like it's it's not really the department but it's my my friends it's my it's the people who are still there like I I I feel like I need to to reach out and see you know and and kind of get back on get back on the on the trail of that mountain and I did and what I realized is while the (laughs) being on the mountain right now it, it fucking sucks but it It's a lot better for it to suck when you're surrounded by the people you enjoy and the people that you love than for it to suck and you're by yourself on that fucking mountain, if that makes any sense.
0: No, dude, that makes a ton of sense. And I know you, but I want to put this information out to everybody else. The job you had after you left, and then prior to you coming back, that was a good job. You got paid a lot of money.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was a fantastic job. Um, it was it was a lot of money, but there was no substance in it for me. And uh I didn't take any pride in the work that I was doing. Like I almost felt like a shit bag. Because like I'd just show up and like I'd basically just do my job you know which wasn't a lot um it was kind of a it techie type job and i was i wasn't really good at it i I was good like i'm certain i have my certifications in it and um but there's just no passion in it for me there's no substance and so every day i was sitting at my at my desk and i'm like rocking back and forth in my chair like all antsy like god this this sucks, dude. I'm I'm bored. I'd like to, you know, at least be out in a in a police car and you know, driving around and seeing all the the nice beautiful sights of the vibrant community that I work in. You know.
0: There's a, it's a very, place... very vibrant community. Let me you tell see, everybody.
1: Just uh just the shit you see, you know, looking out the window of your police car where, where I work. It's entertainment, man. You just sometimes you're just in disbelief. You're like, I can't believe I'm actually seeing this right now. And if I were to tell anybody about this, they wouldn't believe me. They'd think I was making this shit up.
0: So, mind you, mind if I we dive into that a little bit? Yeah, because I think a lot of people share that enthusiasm for that environment, and I did for a long time, and you know, we work in different places, but I know where you work and you know where I work. There are some some pretty crazy similarities. I I would see that stuff, and the longer it went on, it, it almost got, for me, depressing, where it's like, this is, people really live like this? You know, you kind of, you you get off of the rookie glasses about, like, this is kind of fun, and then yeah. you, you kind of grow up a little bit, and you're like, all right. This is, this is fucking pathetic. It's terrible that people choose, and I use this, and I mean this, choose to live this way, most people.
1: An overwhelming amount of people in that area choose to live like that. 100% the lifestyle. I don't know for me personally if it's just the, the amount of cynicism that I've built up towards them to where I literally just, I have no emotion other than than like comedy and laughter at it when I'm when I'm in my police car, obviously. Um,
0: well, and I think maybe that's what did me in. Or part of the reason, I mean, there was a lot of factors. It wasn't just one thing. It wasn't just one fucking thing. And I that's something I want to talk about in a second is one thing. But it was truly a lot of factors. But I think that was one of the things, too. it It weighed heavily on me is and I've told the story and I'll, I'll tell it again because it brings context is I worked with a guy he left before me and he had this fucking call where this old man was going to the park trying to solicit male prostitutes and the way he told the story, it was funny. I found it to be funny and he goes, dude, that's not funny, it's sad. I'm like, you're right. it is sad but if you if you look at it with a real world lens, then it is then it's super sad. But if you just like, all right, this is fucking crazy. This is funny, you're a lot better off. But then I think I got to the point where he was at where I couldn't take that real world lens off of everything. It just became like this fucking awful to look at.
1: Yeah. I can I can see where your your point is on that.
0: Which I, I, I guess it's not really a question. It's more of a, a statement.
1: But it's a good one. Um, because in the reality, you know, uh, I think if any other eyes looked at it, you know, like if you were a nurse or a school teacher or a carpenter and you're looking at that, you're certainly not going to have the same perspective as, as a police officer when you see that. And I think a lot of those people will be tuned to feel bad immediately and be like, Oh, their life must be so bad. And But the, the, the nature of it is, is not all the time, but uh, most of the time that's a chosen lifestyle. If you're as a, as a young cop, or even like a five to 10 year cop, I don't know. I guess it doesn't really matter the time you have on the job, but if you have the mindset that you're going to, Fix and change that for those people. You're wasting your time because that's just the truth of it. I, I've realized that, and that's why like, I don't. I do. I've been to so many ODs lately. Um, way more than so. Like for going back now versus then. um Then there used to be. You know, we we get a couple. Maybe every few weeks or something, but it's becoming such a regular call now that, like, I think a majority of people are just desensitized to it. It's like, oh, you've got blues in your pocket and you're smoking them and you're dead, or you know, you're snorting that shit and you're dead. Like, oh, well, that was a lifestyle decision. I don't feel bad for you. But somebody from a nursing or mental health perspective or a school teacher is like, oh, they, you know, substance abuse and and addiction, it's a disease. And it's just kind of hard to see it from that perspective. In in my opinion, I try, I'm not saying to, you know, an end all be all type thing. But when these guys, when I, I'm, I'm the type of guy that when, when the arrest booking and everything's done and we're sitting there, you know, in that awkward silence at the jail, I'll talk to people and I'll ask them questions about, their habits and you know how how it began and i i ask very direct uncomfortable questions to these people i don't really care if it offends them or not because that helps me gather you know my my facts and details of it and i'd say any one of those people i talked to eat now and even or then and even now nothing's really changed just the drugs they they choose it you know it's like well you know that there's all these resources that the cities and the states offer for substance abuse treatment and mental health treatment and stuff. And people are like, well, oh, I can't afford it. It's like, well, no, there's there's state funded programs for designed specifically for people in your position that that will give you treatment and you won't pay a dime for it. And they just are like, nah, nope no, I don't want the treatment. Yeah. Like, well.
0: I, I was going to say, and that's I'm, different than the male prostitution, by the way.
1: <laughs> I took it in a different direction.
0: Slightly. But I, my whole thing, I guess, if, if I was to like kind of pick my myself apart and offer any advice to new people and people that are still around. And again, you do what's right for you. But I think there's there has to be kind of like a little bit of a balance where you can't be so cold to the world where when you're going on these calls – You're not empathetic about it because I think people, people know, right? Like we've all been to that class a million times where it's, you know, people are, are, they hear you through body language and not your words. So if your fucking body language doesn't match your words, these, you're not going to have any luck on these calls. And I think that is important. I also think to a degree every once in a while, you can, quote unquote, save one of these people, but it's so fucking rare. You can't get your hopes up. But I, I don't know. I would still try.
1: I've only had one. Um, this I'll make this story kind of quick. It's not a long one. Uh, That's what she said. <laughs> it really isn't. It's a joke. Anyway. <laughs> um, I had one dude. I was working uh, an off-duty job one time. And I, I had uh, this random citizen walk up to me and, uh, you know, they addressed me by my name. And they're like, is that you? I was like, yeah. They're like, do you remember me? I was like, I can't say that I do. I'm sorry. And they're like, oh, well, um, you you saved my life one day. I'm like, uh, I'm, I'm so sorry. Like, I, I have no idea what you're talking about. And, they kind of gave me the context of the call and everything. And it was some dude who was, uh, OD and his car in a drive-through. And that uh, I was the one who, uh, I pulled him out of the, out of the car and kind of put him in the recovery position and, um, waited for, waited for the heroes to show up and kind of sat there with him and kept talking to him and everything, blah, blah, blah. Well, anyway, um, he was like, Yeah, man, he's like that day, uh, you follow you you came to the hospital and you came in, he's like, he's like, and you started talking shit to me in the in the hospital room. He was like, But it was it was like in a good way. He was like, I you're telling me all these things of like you got a kid that you need to focus on and that little girl needs you and you gotta quit doing this shit, you're gonna end up dead, and blah blah blah. And I that's something that I would do. But I didn't remember it because I do it so frequently, I guess, that this one slipped through the cracks. And anyway, he was like, I just want to let you know. And uh, he held out his coin. He had one year of sobriety. He was like, I'm one, one year sober. I got custody of my daughter. And he said, uh, life's really turned around for me. And he's like, it's thanks thanks to you. Because he's like, I should have died that day. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> that's pretty profound. I was like, that's awesome. And he was like, can I give you a hug? And he was, I was like, yeah, sure. And I give dude a hug. And then he went on his way. And that was the only person, the only success story of me talking shit to, to an addict that was ever successful. So at least there's one, you know, in my career, I can at least say I did it one time. So.
0: Yeah. And I, I, that I can think of, I have one, I have one that's too, it. but one's better than zero, right?
1: 100 fucking percent.
0: So. But to, to finish to finish my point is I would just say for people out there, like, you, if you get too wrapped up in it, it's, it's going to be hard on you. So you got to – the whole gallows humor, it's a thing, right? So, you know, even though they – you know, they say humanize the badge and then we act like humans and they want us to be robots again. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah. All right. The next thing on your very organized list, you have a bullet point that says I've climbed harder that's what she said and what do you mean
1: there's a lot of things man
0: so like in the
1: metaphor like i've i've been through and and everybody out there's got their own story and their own set of circumstances but law enforcement for me at the time i i i'm not gonna lie dude like i was fucking overwhelmed like i had never really reached that level of stress before it was affecting my decision making it was affecting my approach to calls it was i was very very tense um which is and you've known me long enough like i'm pretty laid back dude like all the time
0: almost overly laid back
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah and anyway dude it was just like it didn't it didn't feel right. Like I felt I'm like my dude, I'm going to make maybe not, not a bad like decision intentionally, you know, like there's some things that cops do that is like a, a flaw of the, what do they call it? a flaw? of The heart, not of the mind rather than it being of the mind and not of the heart. Yes. But I was, I was in a position where I was like, so scared that like, uh, officer safety and stuff was like I'm like dude I was like I'm like getting like shaky thinking about it you know like revisiting that 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 feeling but I didn't know what to do and where to go and that was scary so I was like you know what the best thing to do is not put anyone else in in the way of my my emotion and I better just fucking ride the bench for a little bit (laughs) And, and, and see how this is all working out so
0: I did and what I was going to real quick, I was going to ask you earlier when you, you kind of mentioned that riding the bench is, did you think you would end up going back eventually? Or did you think you were done, done at the time?
1: That's a difficult question to answer. Um, yes and no. Um, when I, when I initially left, um, I, I come from a big cop family. We got tons of family members that are active and retired and they were like, "Uh, you're kind of making a knee jerk reaction right now. Like just ride it out. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like this. I don't know if there's any coming back from this. Like this, this feels, you know, they talk about the pendulum swinging. I'm like, I don't know if it's going to swing back like this, this feels permanent. And they were like, well, yeah, I guess we can kind of agree with that. And I'm like, this isn't why the, the, the direction I thought it was going to go was like, that's not why I signed up to be a cop. You know, that's not why I, I took the oath. And, um, I, I kind of tried to explain it to them like that. And they're like, okay, yeah, yeah. But we know that's, we, we know who you are as a person and that's going to be challenging for you. And I'm like, yeah, like, okay, well go ahead and do it. And so I, uh, I tendered my resignation and, and, it was weird. Like in that time where, where I I wasn't on the job, my family's like, Oh man, I'm so happy that you left. Like you made such a good decision and look at all this crazy shit going on. So they totally like 180 eighty'd on me. And then, uh, I kind of 180 eighty'd back on them. It was (laughs) kind of funny, but I was like telling them I'm, I'm talking to people who are on the job and, and with my agency and I'm, I'm, I'm watching the news and I'm watching the politics, you know, even outside I'm watching like state politics and national politics and kind of seeing the uh, the change in people were like summer of love. They were like, yeah, fuck the police. And then all the police officers, you know, a large amount of us walked away from the job or retired or did whatever. And then they realized, I think pretty quick that they, they might've made a, a bad decision and saying fuck the police because now they're becoming the victims of these crimes. And they realize that police presence is absolutely necessary. And if, if we weren't there
0: for them, they'd probably be dead. <laughs> well, or, <you> and... know... <laughs> sorry, dude, I go keep ahead. cutting you off. No, no, go ahead. Well, and I referenced this earlier, but the, the one thing that I was talking about, I, and I know this isn't like a shocking revelation or statement to make, but I was talking to my buddy today and I I said to him, I said, if, if the whole George Floyd thing never happened, I don't think I'm in a basement making a podcast. Yeah. And I know that's not a shock, but when I really sat down and actually thought about the gravity of that one interaction that had nothing to do with,
1: a any million
0: cops, any of yeah. us had nothing to do with us. How much death, destruction, and mayhem is because of that one interaction? It's kind of amazing.
1: I think that was the tipping point. Um, that that was a, certainly a tipping point where people, you know, were finally like fully fed up, and I think that that every cop listening to this right now is like probably on the same page of being like, I probably would have handled that a little bit different. Like, yeah, we all work in, in rougher neighborhoods and and maybe you don't, maybe you're uh, a deputy and you work uh, somewhere in Texas or something where you don't really have to deal with the, the inner city, but it's like, Yes, that, that one decision, of that one cop, it really did, um, it affected every one of us. I was like, holy shit. And then to watch like where I worked and in the peaceful protest, mostly peaceful protest I had to participate in, um, that was an eye opener, dude. Like the shit, it (laughs) it was like the wild, it was like the wild west. So, um, and then watching all the political fallout from that, and um, yeah, it was a tough time. And I think the dust has has settled for the most part, but I think it, it's just one more bad call from, you know, bad outcome from having that shit happen all over again. Everybody's on edge and. They're just waiting for an excuse.
0: I I rudely cut you off while you a while ago while you were talking about climbing harder. You just gotten done talking about how oh, you kind of yeah. flip okay. the sc- yes. script on your family.
1: Yeah. So um, nothing that I really need to dive into de- too deep on on the podcast. But you know, some uh, I've dealt with uh, death and suicide in my family, and I've I've dealt with. Um, you know uh, so, some marital stuff you know with um, trying to have kids and it not working out and going through that battle and all all the things like like that are much more significant than that mountain of law enforcement in my opinion maybe some maybe the listeners a few of them will disagree or something I don't really give a shit but for me Going through those things is a much harder experience because it is something that that you are coming home to every day. At least when you leave, you, you know you take your vest off and you take your gun belt off. You leave it. You leave it at work. But when you come home and you've got the, you know, suicide and you got all the other shit in your house, you're like, oh boy, this is something that's going to stick around for a long time. So. Climbing, climbing harder and, and, and tougher terrain, and when you put it into perspective, and, and you you look back saying maybe you've been through something tough in your life that wasn't law enforcement related, and then you compare it to whatever experience you're, you're having in law enforcement. You know whether you're in a lawsuit or whatever, that might be that might be tough, but I'm sure there's something in your life that is probably a hell of a lot tougher than getting sued or some shit. You know what I mean?
0: Absolutely. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back to the podcast. I want to talk to you about my buddy Brad Williams over at Police Fit. You guys see him on the page every single Monday on Poorly Made Police Memes. Brad's going to help the new applicants and active officers smash their fitness and regain their health. Brad has 11 years experience in the fitness industry, 17 years in the military, and is also a first responder. He's going to share his experience and expertise to help applicants get their dream job and help active first responders regain their health. That's Police Fit, and I'll have a link for you on the podcast description. Back to the podcast. So the next thing on the list is actually going back. What was that experience like for you?
1: I definitely felt like it was a good decision. Like I I felt at peace with my decision of going back. And the one thing that that returned that I think that was most important for me for my day to day function was my confidence. Is that like I know I'm a good cop. I know that I can make good decisions. I know that I can do this job without having to ask anybody, you know, maybe I'm talking about like every day. You know, like when I'm doing the IT stuff, I'm like, I don't know what the fuck to do what does this program code mean? Like, I don't know, you know, like, PC load letter. What the fuck does that mean? (laughs) Exactly. And that's how I felt. I felt like fucking kicking that piece of shit out the window. Anyway, uh, I got my confidence back, dude. And it was just kind of like a, a weight off my shoulders being like, yeah, this, this job ain't easy and it's thankless. And it's fucking, you gotta be a hundred percent right all the time. Unless you're going to, you're going to get fucked over. But, I have that confidence where I'm like, I can do this. I can do this. I can make these decisions. I can make these judgments. I want to go back. So um, now the weird part about going back was the acceptance from the people around me, because there was a lot of people I felt like weren't mad at me for leaving, but I think a, a big majority of them understood why I left, but it's like coming back to the job after they continued on with the job and got drugged through the mud and all the shit and me coming back and, and not being like overly peppy and smiling and being like, Hey guys, like, yeah, everything's great. You know, like, you know, and chumming it up with people that had literally been fucking getting drugged through the mud. So that was, and it still kind of is, you know um, being very, aware of who i'm talking to and who my audience is and not being like overly positive because a lot of those guys don't want that shit that's just the that's i think a lot of cops are like that
0: that was something that was really interesting to me that i wanted to to ask about because i mean i i'll be honest i i i have no thoughts ever on going back where i came from i would I would almost put like, you know, a $1,000 on that bet. Right. Like I I would never go back. Maybe if they made me chief, I don't know, but (laughs) I should apply, but (laughs) that would be something that I would be super worried about because just like you said, you, you left, you went and had a jolly good time and they really, I would say the worst of it was when we were still working but yeah. it was still really bad. And so if I went back to my old department and I, I don't know the personalities on yours, but if I went back to my old department, I would, I would be really worried about that. And I would honestly kind of feel guilty. Like, Hey, I ditched you guys, but I'm back.
1: I, I felt that too, but I knew that. Had you anybody think... said it
0: though? Had anybody said it?
1: No, nobody. So the, the, not directly to my face at least. And we all know how, uh, police being a police officer is it's high school with guns. So, you know, they might say, you know, something to my face. And then when I leave and turn around, they might say something completely different. Who, who, who really knows, but, um, and that's not, that's not something I really even think about if I'm being completely honest, but it, it's just, uh, having that balance. I, I get a question a lot. Um, when, when I see people, you know, like say I'm like walking to and from court or, you know, I'm, um, covering someone on a call from a different shift or something, you know, on the overlap, they'll be like, Oh yeah, what's up dude? I heard you were back. You know, how, how was it being back? And, and my response is always like, well, it's good. You know, I'm obviously going to be positive. And, um, I'm always kind of like, you know, I, I feel like I made a good decision and, um, um, I'm here. And I kind of just try and keep it at that, you know, unless I know the person a little bit better and I have a better relationship with them, then I can kind of open up a little bit more. But there's no sense, in my opinion, and like being overly enthusiastic to somebody who's been getting kicked in the head on the ground for the last year while I was out in Jolly Land, you know, I think that just being aware of that audience, but like being, supportive and being uh, you know being positive in that way i feel maybe i'm wrong who knows but is maybe a little refreshing to them to be like oh this dude fucking bounced out for a little bit and now he's back so maybe the grass really isn't greener you know because he had a
0: really good fucking job you fucking had you gave people hope and then you took it away maybe you removed all hope it's what police work is, isn't it? Uh, I don't know what you guys are doing on your
1: department. Oh, yeah, it's good. Like, uh, and to the listeners and anybody who's thinking about leaving or has left and wants to go back, I don't regret my decision. I don't regret leaving. I think it was good for my mental health and I think it's good for my family. And it was anything can happen out there, you know. I could, I could, it might not even be my. Decision on a call that I'm on, I might just be a cover and I have somebody do something crazy and I end up in a shit situation, but it's a risk I'm
0: willing to take. I wanted to ask, because if I go back, I'm going to be with a different department unless they make me chief, my old department. You went back to the same agency. Did you have any thoughts about maybe trying a different agency or... Were you just kind of like, I, I just want to go back? Well, I, I don't want to answer for you.
1: I wanted to go back to that agency. I, I felt that that's where my people were. I, I, there's a lot of relationships there, a lot of memories, a lot of uh, familiarity with with the city and the people around it. And, I, you know, I, I had kind of tossed around the idea of maybe going to a different agency, but. After discussing it with my family, it's like, well, yeah, you'd likely be a shoe in but you, you know, basically kiss your fucking seniority goodbye. It's like, yeah, that's a that's something to think about. So I, when I reached out to the people in my agency when I was inquiring about coming back, those were a lot of the details that I wanted to know up front and like. I wanted them on paper. You know what I mean? Like you can say one thing, but I'm not signing any paperwork until I see it written in, you know, contract style. And once they they gave me that packet and they were like, Yeah, you're you're gonna keep your badge number, you're gonna keep your seniority. Um but, you know, obviously you're not gonna keep any of the vacation or anything that you had. I'm like, whatever, that's fine. I can I can build that back up. But if they hadn't sent me back through like a basic academy or if they would have not given me my seniority and put me on some like super junior grave shift team you know I it would have affected my decision and had it had that been the scenario I think in the line of work and who I was working for at the time um, I probably would have just changed the direction of getting out of it and probably moving into more um like security type stuff where i was working because i did i had some people i had some some uh network networking done and i was gonna do that because it it also the security out there you, people are probably like we can be a fucking security guard are you crazy but these security guards were getting paid like 45 bucks an hour and um had really good benefits and I was like, "Eh, no, maybe I could go do that. But then they, they, the, the agency I worked for, they gave me, like I said, that packet and everything ended up working out and I, I went back. I went through the reintegration process, which was kind of a fucking joke to be honest, because I landed right in between like for in service so all the academy staff were like completely fucking preoccupied and tunnel visioned in on quarter in service training and building their their curriculum and stuff. So I basically put myself through reintegration, which was silly. It's a good thing that I uh, was a good cop because if I wasn't, I would have probably been a different story. But once I, I got can't into, believe you went
0: back there, buddy. I can't
1: here's the thing man like with state law and and the stuff that that changed it's still there it didn't go away but there's a lot more clarity it's it's not so there's not so much gray area anymore it's pretty black and white and what i've learned and is that you can still do your job you can still do cop shit just be smart about it you know it's they always say it's outcome based and it's it's all by the law you know if you're still using force appropriately and you're still making arrests like you can still go out and do proactive work but you got to have the ability to read the situation and and adapt to it as it's going like if you're Stopping a car that is full of kids and you're getting ready to run interdiction, you know, and that's what you want to do. And the guy in the front seat is acting up and, you know, maybe his wife or girlfriend or whatever is filming you and there's 10 kids in the car. Maybe you don't pull him out and beat the fucking teeth out of his mouth, you know, on the side of the road. You probably shouldn't have done
0: that before
1: and that's what i'm saying nothing's really changed like if you since i've been back i've been in like three pretty minor nothing significant minor uses of force to where you know we people had to go to the ground and we had to tussle with them a little bit and knowing that I know how to control my emotion and my temper and I can, the the situation in general, like I can make an arrest and I'll be okay. But if you would have asked me that, you know, the month before I was getting ready to resign, I would have been like, I wouldn't have fucking touched that dude. There's no way I would have even put my hands on him because I was so scared of uh, getting sued or losing my job or, you know, um, having the, the city burned down again.
0: I, the reason I had you on Tito is I didn't want to like pick fights or anything because I know that you, I love you, but we look at this a little bit differently. Yeah. But I I did want to point out kind of my opinion on some of this stuff. Just not that anybody listening doesn't know this already, but I, I feel like a lot of States wrote these new laws with the intent to get cops in trouble. And I think that a lot of them may be personally vague. And I think as things have cooled down and it's not a hot button issue, the laws are vague enough in some places. Some places are just fucking crazy. But in some of the places, the laws are vague enough where, all right, you guys just kind of do what you got to do. But I I do really feel like it's it's outcome based on some of the stuff. So God forbid you are on one of those things where it goes south they can weaponize this the police accountability law that's that's what scares me Now, I do have friends that work in the same state you work, and they've expressed to me kind of the same thing like over the last year, things have been kind of clarified so i I want to be fair to that. I'm not saying you're full of shit or anything, but mm-hmm. just from my my helicopter view it it does scare me a little bit for you guys.
1: yes. Um, there's still, it's in the back of my mind on every call, obviously it's still something that's thought about very often, but I'm not going to let it, I'm not going to let that fear influence how I do, how I do the job anymore. Like I, I just can't, it's not healthy and the team, thankfully the team I'm on right now Uh, I'm one of the youngest there's one dude who's got less time than me and that's just because he got out of the academy and, 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 or sorry, out of FTO and they kind of just dropped him in there, but everybody else has got like six to 20 years. So there's, there's a good amount of, of, of knowledge and experience on the team that I'm on right now, which gives me a lot of confidence because if I was working with like people straight out of the academy, I'd be like, all right, this is going to be a little sketchy, you know, <laughs> hold on.
0: Let me, let me ask this. But- and I don't want to put you in an awkward spot. So you tell me if we shouldn't go with this direction. We're always in an awkward spot. Every time. Every but time. obviously, you know, we, we, we've, we've hit some points as far as like reasons for leaving, but I think for a lot of us, we left because there were some issues within the administration of our police departments has that situation at your department and your perception got better or worse or the same, or, you know, it
1: got better. And then now it's worse. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, I knew the answer, but I had to ask. <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: Um, it, it got better. Cause it, it was, it was, believe me, it was bad. Um, at first. And that was another, um, Factor that influenced my decision to tender my resignation, but coming back, it, it was a different administration. There was a lot of shuffling. It's been good so far. Uh, I, I don't have any complaints. I don't have any any shit to talk. It's it hasn't been bad. I don't know a lot about this person. I don't know anything personal let's say i don't know anything personal about them but there's speculation and the speculation is just rumor you know it's like high school shit um we won't know until we're in it and once we're in it we'll figure it out and we'll we'll navigate it because that's really the only thing you can do dude i know that sounds kind of elementary and kind of maybe even a little naive but it's the it's the fucking truth you don't know until it you know you're in it so um and if that's the if it gets shitty i don't want to leave it i love my seniority i love the so let me tell you something about benefits uh where i work the benefit package is fucking awesome and if if you're paying I have a wife and a daughter and I pay right about like 450 bucks a month with all the extra shit that I added onto my benefits package. But when I was not a cop, I was paying $1,500 a month for my benefits. So I was like, yeah, that's fucking that's absurd. I'm not doing that again. So if the direction my agency goes, and it's not great. I think I'll probably jump on the bandwagon of uh, getting an armchair job and being an investigator or detective, or doing my best with my seniority to not be in a uh, patrol function. If that makes any sense, but that does. Right now, right now, that's not my my concern. I'm not worried about that right now. Patrol is a great place. I've actually. It's been kind of cool. Um, this is something maybe uh, I don't think we, you and I, have kind of discussed this in a while, but or at, even at all, rather. But obviously, with the shortage of cops that there is right now, and the the new recruits coming through that are getting into FTO, I've been asked to if, if I'll help um, one or two days a week jump in and, and assist with training. And me, at first, I was like, ah, fuck, dude, I don't, I don't want to. Like, I don't want that responsibility. And then I kind of had, like, a, a a change of heart. And I'm like, you know what? Yeah, well, maybe I can influence one of these young, young cops to think a little different. Because some of these FTOs are a little different. I was like, maybe a different perspective would be good. So I'm like, yeah, you know what? Go ahead and throw them in my car. So for the last, like, three months i've had a recruit in my car quite a bit and to be completely honest it's been a pretty awesome experience um i've had a couple like second phase third phase recruits come to me and they just look fucking beat down dude like defeated and i look at them and i'm like well let's talk about it man like what's going on like and they're like well you know this person had this style and they didn't really teach me shit because they were too scared to. You know, I'm, that's my words. I'm sorry. I'm uh, now I'm putting my words into their mouth. They, the recruits, told me they didn't. Their FTO didn't put them into a lot of like proactive work, or didn't teach them things about general investigations that they should have been taught. And that includes how to fucking talk to people. I'm like, all right, cool. Well, I can help you out with that. And they're like, yeah, sweet. So we'll go out and run some calls and stuff. And by the end of the week, they they look at me and they're like, dude, this, like, I feel like I'm getting it now. Like, I feel like I I'm understanding it a little bit better than I was before. And I'm like, well, then I did good. So you're going to go on to your next FTO and there's probably going to undo all that shit. But like, please call me like I will answer my phone. I will help you with whatever you're in and that for me is my little justification of trying to make the police department better and also trying to like help these young cops who are getting trained by people who are just getting fucking drugged through the mud like I keep saying and are maybe a little too cynical to be training but somebody with a different perspective might be able to help. And I feel like it's been a pretty good, pretty good outcome so far. So, but um, if I can offer a transition to keep us in a good role, I have been thinking about something. Yeah, let's hear it. So you're talking about like state law and you're talking about the transition of everything. I kind of want to bring, CIT in now if you're cool with
0: it. I am cool with it. Next on Tito's list, CIT.
1: CIT, baby. I'm actually gonna take a big chug of beer real quick.
0: Go for it. And uh I just want you to have this in mind. I I do want to talk and maybe you can talk a little bit about this with this subject, is the the new guys, like what you're seeing from the new guys, especially now that you're an FTO, But by the way. As you I'm chug not, your beer. let me let me be oh, oh, clear. okay uh, i know what you're saying stop stop don't okay. degrade yourself you're a helping you're helping people as an fto you're helping out but i just i wish there was a thousand more titos on every single police department but anyway go on gone. cit no. all right so um cit
1: where i work is is uh, a big push right now and there's a a stigma with it and there's a lot of people who are like, I don't want to go to that training, like, because the the stigma with it is it's kind of like a, you know, it's a big officer safety concern. And it's, you know, you're, you're jeopardizing officer safety just to kind of be more soft and not, I don't really want to say hug a thug, but you know what I mean? Like hug yeah. a crazy person type of a thing and i'm not going to lie i, I kind of had that same the same view of it well anyway they they offered the training and i was like you know what i'm going to do some training that makes me uncomfortable i'm going to i'm going to kind of jump into this and i'm going to volunteer for it because maybe i do walk away with something you know maybe i walk away with a different perspective who knows and that's kind of like my personality just in general is like i am very I have my very strong opinions, but then I'm pretty quick to be like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to look at it from a different angle. And I'm going to try because I feel like that's kind of the right thing to do. You know, like at least it makes you sound a little more educated. If you make a, a wholesome attempt at, at trying to see it from a different angle. So anyway, I go to this CIT training and I sit down and, um, you can tell there's some some older salty dudes in there, and that there's uh, some young some young officers in there who really, I think, were volunteered to be there, but they were happy to be there. We started kind of getting into the nitty gritty of the training, and I was like, okay, all right, you know, they're starting to talk about addiction, and they're starting to talk about. Uh, all the different things with mental health, whether, you know, autism, alcoholism, fucking schizophrenia, multiple personalities, So they're going through all of that. And we went through like, it was like three days of this training. And on the third day, they're like, all right, we're going to go, we're going to go talk to some uh, patients. I was like, like for real and they're like yeah we're gonna go talk to some mental health patients and you know it's going to be kind of like a open forum q a between you guys at first i'm like oh this is such a bad idea like this is not good and then i again i kind of changed my my tune i was like driving i was driving over there and i'm like you know what no like i'm not gonna let this be like a silly goofy experience you know and i'm not gonna think different i'm like i'm gonna ask some uncomfortable questions i'm gonna act like i'm in arrest booking right now and i'm gonna kind of put these people on blast with an open mind so anyway we're sitting down with these people and i think i was kind of the first one to like pop my hand up and ask a question you know like how was your experience with what the police you know prior to your m1 or to your mental we call where i work it's called an m1 mental health hold maybe it's called something different where you work but it's basically uh involuntary uh protective custody hold anyway i asked him like well how was it and they're like well the cop was kind of a dick i'm like what do you mean like you know kind of elaborate on that And this dude was sitting in front of me and he was like the the cop was just an asshole like he was just so wound up like he was just it was almost like he was in his own feelings he's like i was having mine and he was having his and we were just in like a super bad argument and he's like i don't know why it went that way <laughs> i kind of chuckled to myself i'm like holy oh, shit that kind of makes sense you know like the cop came in and was absolutely frustrated that he couldn't get this dude to not be not frustrated does that make sense it's the
0: circle of frustration
1: the circle of frustration and i'm like holy fuck like kind of a little revelation i'm like okay well tell me more and he's like the way he was talking to me man he was just like he, he made me feel like i was like a piece of shit like he's like i was having a fucking mental health like i was having a breakdown he's like he made me feel like a criminal he's like he, the way he was like projecting his voice and his body language. He's like, I felt like I was going to be arrested and he's like, I didn't do anything wrong. And then again, I like took, I took him in to think about it and I'm like, well shit. Like it's not, if we're, you know, looking at it, like, it, it's not illegal to be crazy. It's not illegal to, you know, have a fight with your wife and, or maybe you're going through some shit and you, you know, are feeling suicidal, or maybe do some crazy shit, who knows, but, and then I started thinking about some of my, like, veteran friends, who, when, you know, in the army that were in similar, uh, similar position circumstances, and I'm like, holy shit, and I'm like, well, how would I approach that, and I was thinking to myself, and I'm like, kind of off in la-la land, like, well, this dude's talking, I'm like, thinking about my officer safety, and like, how i responded to these same calls and i'm like as a police officer like yeah like i've come to a lot of these calls and when i show up obviously i'm going to have my command presence and i'm going to be the one i'm going to be the authority and i'm going to be the one controlling everything and you know whether that's through my voice or my body language or whatever um, and i started really thinking about a lot of the other calls that I've been on were like, I've gotten their and emotions are tense and everything. And people are screaming and hollering and I just immediately match their energy. And I start screaming and hollering because I'm trying to control the situation. So I started thinking about it. I'm like, well, fuck dude. Like maybe if I, you know, show up and not be a dick, like obviously practice good officer safety, but, not show up and just start screaming or not matching their energy right away and maybe just, you know, shutting the fuck up for a minute and letting them talk. Which I hate because I don't want to listen to the crazy people talk. You know, I don't think any of us is cops, you know, like you show up to someone, well check or something, they're, you know, talking about seeing spaceships and doing all this other bullshit in their front yard, and you're like, okay, you immediately jump to the conclusion like this dude's fucking crazy, and you immediately kind of um pacify the whole situation and, and you're like, you know what, yeah, or you're just fucking nuts. And then we just kind of shut down and then we either walk away or we em them or whatever. And there's like kind of no emotion in it.
0: I think it's good to have that that perspective. And yeah. I think it's sometimes I've heard people say, yeah, I went through real basic police stuff in the academy, that I went on the road. And then they take a refresher course on whatever it is, traffic stops. And they go, shit, I haven't thought about this in forever. I just kind of do what I do. And you pick up on something that you're like, huh. Yeah. I exactly. could have been doing this better. And exactly. that's, I think, the benefit of some of these things. As much as we make fun of CIT, yeah, you're onto something here.
1: So, like, I let the dude finish up what he had to say and um... – I went and I talked to the next uh, person and that person was kind of a, a, older, an older lady. And she was talking about how not only her, but also her son both suffer from uh, schizophrenia. And she's like, you know, I'm, I'm medicated to it. Um, he at the time was, uh, just gotten diagnosed and was getting into his medications and whatever medication they gave him wasn't balanced yet. And so she was like, I, I called the police because he had picked up a kitchen knife and was scared because he was defending himself against the things that hit the projections, the, 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 uh, uh, not illusions, but the, uh, I'm sorry. I'm forgetting the word what he was seeing and he was trying to protect himself from uh, whatever he was seeing. And he was waving a knife around. He's like, it wasn't at me. And she's like, I tried to explain that to, to the nine one one dispatcher. Yeah. But when the cops showed up, she's like, I wasn't in any danger and there was nobody else in the house. But They rolled up with like rifles and all kinds of shit, you know? And like, I think she described it as like, it looked like they were like in, uh, like a Vietnam beach or something like every cop had a rifle and it made me kind of laugh because that's absolutely what, you know, as soon as you get your rifle, that's the first thing you want to do is deploy it. So every fucking cop on the team shows up with a rifle. You're like, Holy shit. But anyway, uh, back to the substance of my story, she was telling me that their presence and the way that they came in with the energy they had fucking freaked her out because she was like not only am I scared for my son now i'm scared for myself because every fucking cop just rolled up screaming and hollering and pointing a rifle at my son who's a schizophrenic and she's like you wasn't doing anything wrong and i'm like holy shit this is making so much sense to me now like
0: i disagree with that one though you get it i mean like you get a 911 call lady saying her schizophrenic son has a knife and is waving it around I mean, you're going to respond how you respond.
1: You're 100%. And and to your backing you up on this, I was thinking about how I would respond. And it was like, I'd probably have a 40 or I'd have a less lethal shotgun or a taser. I'd have something, right? Officer safety. I'm always thinking about officer safety. But at the same time, that's like, maybe you all don't just like, present immediately in front of him, maybe like, you know, and this is all what I'm about to say is all circumstantial, right? Like if he's in his room or if he's, you know, in the backyard or whatever, like maybe you're talking to the dude and someone like, Hey, you know, I'm going to talk to the suspect and you talk to the mom and try and calm her down and get her attention diverted in case we do have to deploy less lethal or whatever. She's not fucking standing right there when it happens. You know what I mean? Um, And I think a lot of cops can become pretty quickly uh, tunnel visioned in on, like, the knife and the person with that. And maybe even forget about the mom who is standing behind you watching the whole thing for a little bit. Not all cops, but some. And it made me think, like, you know, maybe you, you... Depending on what the, he's armed with, you know, it could come out as a knife. Maybe the dude's holding a spoon. Who? Maybe he's holding a butter knife. Who knows? Who fucking knows? Anything can happen. It's all circumstantial. But what I'm saying is, is like slowing it down a little bit and not immediately just fucking going to screaming at the dude. You know, drop it, drop it, drop it. And maybe being like talking to him in like a regular tone of voice. Yeah, it might be a tense situation. But maybe just talking to him and calming him down a little bit prior to, you know, deploying a 40 on him, which when I left the job, that's what we would do.
0: By the way, just uh, I know there's probably people screaming. Yeah, we we realize that you have to have lethal a knife's lethal force thing. Yes. This this is just saying you have multiple people there and, you know, you got less lethal, too.
1: I'm talking about like my patrol team where like seven or eight of us would show up if you're a deputy and you're the only one there, it's probably a lot different, but I'm talking about, and maybe my example's poor, but
0: no, I, it's a good example because we both worked for similar sized departments. So I kind of figured what you were talking about, but I know not everybody has the availability of, you know, having cover on these calls, you know? Yeah. So I just want to so, be clear.
1: Yeah. I'm trying to be as clear as I can too. Maybe someone disagrees with me. But anyway, what I'm saying is, and what I'm getting at is that like I learned something about like myself in that I showed up to a lot of these calls very uh robotic almost. You know, it's like, oh, it's a weapons call. I'm gonna show up and I'm gonna fucking do what I can to control the situation. And what I was taught was be have command presence and, you know, be the authority and be the fucking cop. And I'm not saying not to be the cop. Let's be clear on that. What I'm saying is, is taking using, using your communication skills as a tactic rather, you know, and like talking to someone, call me, you can be, as calm as you want and talk and, and and project the same message without having to fucking scream it. And almost in my opinion is if someone's talking calm and you think about like on a caller where you got a dude who's all hyped up and, you know, taking his shirt off and everything and, you know, beating on his chest or you got the dude who's completely quiet and he's just fucking staring at you like who's going to be a little who are you going to be a little bit more nervous about? Like, I'm more nervous about the dude who's not making a lot of noise and is just fucking giving me the thousand yard stare.
0: Tito, can I go on a rant real quick? Mm -hmm. Policing is, is one of those jobs that's just inherently impossible. So I think whenever we say anything, it kind of always has a little bit of a grain of salt. Like, well, this is just something to think about. But as we were talking about the command presence thing, I think. The command presence thing when when you're an FTO, I think the the senior officers, and let's be honest, law enforcement has changed over the last 10 years, but the senior officers they want to know you have it and that you can control it. And I think absolutely. I'm I'm just gonna assume though, maybe some officer or maybe some FTOs would see command presence as just controlling a scene but i think the, the expectation i think a lot of people in fto believe the rookies believe is i need to be elevating my voice to control people which is just i i think there's a time and place where you have to you know clear loud orders things like that but inflections a thing right are you oh, out yeah. of control about how you're yelling people again like we were talking earlier if people Pay attention to body language. Are you fucking out of control? I think that's one thing to be sheepish and afraid to say anything. And I think it's one thing to calmly talk to somebody. But be, I I don't want to say authoritative, but calmly speak to them in a manner where you are controlling the situation. And I think that's the hard part about policing. I think, in my humble opinion, I think a lot of people as rookies and I think I was probably one too is I probably relied more on the badge than me. And then I, I got better and more confident and then I relied more on me than the badge. If that makes any sense. I think some people can kind of come into it and they're cool cats, so to speak, they're cool and they just, they, they've always have that. I didn't have it and they can rely on themselves over the badge their whole career. I think some people, sorry guys, It's true. Some people rely on the badge their whole entire career and they forget about the human element.
1: My little thing that I always I say I've kind of uh, trademarked it is. um, I, I think I try my best. I haven't really found the way or the answer, but is finding a way to weaponize my empathy and kind of connect with people, you know, like when I say weapon, I don't mean it and using it in a bad way, but using it as a tactic, you know, like where I, if I'm dealing with uh, a high school, you know, teenage girl is kind of changing my, the way I communicate with her and listen to her and like, uh, the, the active listening portion of it is to someone like that, I'm going to kind of just re- repeat back what they're what they're saying to me. Right. So like if she's like, wow, my life is so hard. You know, my boyfriend broke up with me and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, I didn't get to go to prom and I'm probably going to project my project that back at her. Like Dude, oh, I, that I was I a conversation
0: you. between us.
1: <laughs> my bad. I'm sorry. They mean to out you it's okay but like pitching it back at her like ah so i what what you're telling me is that your boyfriend broke up with you and you know you missed prom you know tell me more and you know just like getting in there and be like ah man i can't imagine how hard that is versus like the homie on the street who's having a fucking mental breakdown of being like yo my you know one of my homies just got fucking shot and you know, he's dead and I want to get revenge and blah, blah, blah. And then using that empathy of being like, you know what, man, like I lost friends in the service and I felt exactly what you're feeling right now. Like I, I know that fucking rage that you're feeling. I know, I know where you're coming from and and finding a way and finding that fine line to ride. What, whatever the call is, is uh, it's a good skill. I don't think a lot of people, possess that skill and maybe through their career they'll figure it out but i think that's important to use because you can actually probably as soon as someone feels like they're connected even a little bit or that you're even given a shit a little bit they'll, they'll fucking listen to you a little bit more and you might be able to calm the situation down and, and prevent you know a big ass use of force or even maybe even a lethal force who knows but shit like that is incredibly important to me and I think that's why I'm a cop is because if I can do it awesome but if I have to turn around and use lethal force I don't I'll fucking use it that's just the fact now the fallout from that is going to be what it's going to be and I'll deal with it when it comes but I think my personality and my perspective is I'm going to try and do everything I can not to fucking get to that position if I get there I get there but I'm going to do everything I can not to.
0: If you don't mind if, if we covered what you wanted to cover here, I wanted to talk about the new people that have come to your department since you've been gone. Yeah, let's talk about it. What I, I guess I'll just kind of open the floor. What did you want to tell us?
1: I think that there is a enormous gap in between I will point the blame largely at COVID. And the way we, as a nation, not even just an agency, uh, handled it, and that social distancing, and you know, the way they—you're not wrong. But what happened is those those officers had a like what like over a year of like handling calls, maybe by the phone or not going to the call even at all. And it it robbed them ab- absolutely fucking robbed them of knowing how to communicate with people. And that affects everything from fucking traffic stop to a general investigation, to a CIT situation. Like there's a lot of cops, man, where I work. And I, I just kind of, I don't say anything because or if I do, it's in private because I don't, I'm not the type of dude to put anybody on blast in front of anybody because I have my own fucking flaws, but it's like, dude, you don't know how to fucking talk to people. (laughs) Like you, you can't carry on a conversation uh, with with anybody that you don't know that's outside your comfort zone. And that's, that's blindingly clear. So we're recovering and, you know, now we're back to, actually going out and making contact on like 95% of our calls, you see them kind of struggle with talking to people and asking, you know, and maybe asking the uncomfortable questions or the very direct questions because they've never done it And their FTO was like sitting around in the cop car doing, doing reports over the, over the phone. And a phone conversation versus an in-person conversation is very, Two completely different things. Just like you said, the way you your, you project your body language, or your tone of voice, or your your little mannerisms that you might have, like looking at your watch, or you know, you know, looking around the room, they maybe not paying attention to them, it's affected a lot of those cops. Not all of them, but a lot of them. And um, the thing is, is that they still have a lot of confidence in what they do, which. I don't want to call it a bad thing, but it's like uh I don't really know if 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 you understand what what's going on around you there, killer, but
0: <laughs> do you uh-huh. think that could be a generational thing? Because I to tell a quick story, there was a guy in my department who thinks very highly of himself and I it drove me nuts how they handled themselves on calls, you know, they would, you know, lean up on people's walls. And I think there's a time and place for that, but they would almost look bored when they were talking to people. Yep. And I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? And it drove me nuts. And I, I don't know if it was just a them thing. I think it was, it's kind of a generational thing, but maybe I'm wrong on that. I mean, do you think it could be generational combining or parts of it or what do you think
1: i do but the thing is is yes and no uh a lot of the cops that come onto the job are young you know 21 to 26 but then you do get the cops that come on in like their 30s or 40s or have you know uh a wife and three kids already and that um They they do act different than the single cop who is 24 years old and living in his own apartment and or her even trying not to be uh, singling out genders here.
0: Chief Sheriff's will cancel you.
1: No, dude. And I'll probably get written up. But um, I think their perspective and I think they're a little bit different depending on where where and how they were raised. But. I kind of, for my situation, kind of lean more towards the FTOs not being able to push that certain group of cops out into public, like shove them into it and be like, you're either going to swim or you're going to drown because they basically got to ride in a boat. If that makes any sense.
0: That was very scholarly.
1: It is what it is.
0: That was not. Is what it is. It is what it is. That's like the typical cop answer.
1: I try to go in and I don't don't like getting into everybody's business, but if you're on my patrol team and I'm responding to calls with you and you, I'm not opposed to giving criticisms and I'm also not opposed to receiving criticisms, I believe that that I still could probably – there's a lot of things I can do different. Fucking, there's so much to learn, and I I will continue to learn. But some cops are just like, no, I got it figured out. I know this thing.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I think that's a. I think, I think it's good to be confident and be like, yeah, I got this shit. But you also <laughs> have said to it, recognize. I
1: said it earlier in the show. I'm like, yeah, well, and, dude, and I've i said it.
0: I've said it plenty of times on this podcast. Is like I I was a good fucking cop. I knew what I was doing. But I always know, you know, if I go back or even when I was on the job, even though I was confident, I didn't know everything and I was going to fail and that I needed to learn from the most mistakes. And I would still watch senior cops. I would still watch new guys to see if maybe, maybe they're doing something better than I do or maybe again, you know, realizing shit, I've been doing that wrong all these years. This is a better way to do it. It's all about growth, man. There's a
1: that's what she the said, one by way, the way. The one out. way... It's all about the growth. A, <laughs> are you a shower or a grower? Because there's a lot of showing going on.
0: <laughs> there is no showing going on. But go on. Or growing. So, uh, showing, no showing we're growing.
1: Well, while we're on the topic, it's like a lot of cops... And this isn't even just for those co- um, The COVID cops, we'll call them. It's for every cop who is applying now and trying to get onto an agency and every cop that has been on the job for 25, 35 years. And the one thing that we all in, in my, as you said, humble opinion, need to realize is you play the game or the game plays you
0: next bullet point.
1: Exactly. So with the state law and with Uh, the current political climate around us, we all are walking on eggshells as cops. And unfortunately, and I I hate to even say it, but it's the truth, dude. We have to play this game right now. And we have to play it very wise and very smart. Because if you fuck it up, you're going to get played. And um, that's something I think about on every call. And I think about my conduct and I think about how I treat citizens and how I treat other cops. And while I still have my salt and cynicisms or whatever you want to call it, um, I'm definitely aware of them. And I, whatever I do not only affects me, but it affects all of you. So just be smart, dude, make good decisions. And uh, when in doubt, don't. If, if your traffic stop is feels like it's going to go south and you're going to end up fucking on CNN, let it go, dude. I'd rather eat fucking days off from IA than have my goddamn city burned down and then have, you know, pipe bombs and shit on my doorstep. And that, that's such a gross concept to even stomach to walk away from shit. But if you want to protect yourself, you got to do it.
0: And Ah, I've done it. I hate that. I hate that. I I mean, you're right. I I think you're right, but I, I hate that. That's not the way it should be.
1: That's not the way it should be. But if you want to continue playing this game, you better fucking play by the rules or you're going to get fucked.
0: I have a clip to play about, about playing the game. You play to win the game. Thanks, Herm. But you're right. (laughs) You play to win the game.
1: I enjoy it. You know why? Because I still get to go out and fucking drive fast and go to calls. Every now and then we get into a a little bit of a spicy situation, and it gets the old adrenaline going, and that's way better to me than sitting in a fucking cubicle. And not really wanting to go to work. At least right now, for me, like I still going to work doesn't bother me. Like I, I go get in my patrol car and I respond to calls for service. And you know, there's still calls obviously that I dread and I bitch about privately in my car on my way there. And then I get in and I put my my mask on and <laughs> handle it. And then I leave. whether I take paper or not, but wait, then you, you go on to are the still next. Still wearing thing.
0: masks? Are you guys really? No, still wearing I'm. T- masks? I
1: mean, yeah. No no no, I'm talking about like a metaphorical like I put on my like nice guy mask and
0: uh oh it's like fucking Christ.
1: No, no, we don't wear masks where I'm at at all. That that shit's only when you have only when you go to the hospital do they make you do it. So but even that is absurd because all the fucking hospital staffs walking around with it around their chin. And you're like I thought we were so fucking far past this shit. Like this is this is insane. That's a whole different topic that's going to get me all fired up. And I don't want to talk. Oh, about Oh, yeah, that. we're
0: going to we're going to get the label if we keep going on it. <laughs> Let me I want to take a step back because I meant to ask you about this earlier and you brought it up and it's one of your PowerPoints is being back with your people. How does it feel to be back with your people?
1: So good, dude. Like. That like I talked about that kind of feeling isolated. I did it to myself. You know, I made the decision, and I like I, I will stand by my decision. I don't regret it, but I definitely I felt disconnected. You know, like I felt like a civilian. I call and talk to cops and be like, "So, like, was going out on the road." And I almost feel like they didn't want to talk about it with me. Like I had lost that privilege. There are some cops that would, you know, that are much closer with me that. I would consider my, you know, very close friends like family and they, they, that conversation, those conversations that we had were never bad, but like when I would reach out to people, I'm real big on reaching out to people and keeping lines of communication open and stuff, but like other people, it almost felt like they were like, yeah, fuck this dude. Like he doesn't get it. He, why would I explain something to him that he doesn't get? Why would I bitch about, something to him that he's not even a part of anymore
0: and that's what I would say I would say out of my circle which I I don't know I felt like (laughs) I felt like it was a pretty decent circle and this isn't trash talking because I get it but out of my circle of the people that are on the department I really still talk to two of them Mm -hmm. everybody else is kind of you know I don't know it's I I think there's some camaraderie because you're kind of all in it together but once you're You're not part of it. They're like, well, fuck this guy, you know?
1: That's kind of uh, similar to to what I would describe. Um, Fuck this guy. Uh, That's what it felt like. It might not have been that, and that's just speculation. But
0: I don't know if I could blame him if it was, though, to be honest.
1: No, and I that's why I'm not mad about it. But there was a part of me who was like, you know what? I'm jumping back in. Like, we're... (laughs) Not not just for them, but for me and and what I enjoy. And I don't like even on the road, like when after a call or something, if we if we're window to window, I try not to talk too much shit. Of course, I'll throw a little bit and do a little cop talk and throw a little jargon, you know, here and there, but in uh, a little shade. But I I tend to not want to lean into negativity just because it's it's there. It's obvious. We all know it's fucking there. Why why talk about it? Let's fucking redirect our thoughts and talk about something that's not fucking cop related. And that's kind of what I try and do after calls and stuff. And when I'm bullshitting with people, you know, we'll talk about the bid or talk about, you know things that were going on for a little bit and then i'm like well how's your family dude you know like oh i heard you got a new house and i try to redirect it because what's the point of fucking being miserable all the time if you don't have to be
0: speaking of transitioning real quick we got a little bit of. i have not
1: scheduled my surgery yet
0: (laughs) are you gonna does that mean you're gonna go to over to river city be cop over there i know a guy he can get you in
1: what's the hiring bonus
0: uh, I think the hiring bonus is probably some kind of sexual act, but I'm not sure. Well,
1: don't rule anything out, I guess.
0: But anyway, <laughs> the the real transition, not the weird transition that just happened is, as you guys know, every podcast, I have an officer of the podcast nominated by a buddy, somebody that is deserving and isn't being recognized. And of course, the uh, winners will get a fine patch, which is provided by Ghost Patch. My buddy's over there, which go buy your coins. Christmas time's coming. But anyway, you can nominate your guys. Just to email me, poorlymadepolicememes at gmail.com or send me a message, but I prefer the email. And let's see if I can power through this because I'm fucking losing my voice. My buddy, blankety blank, who works at the blankety blanks PD in blankety blank is a solid cop and an excellent beat partner i'm not nominating him for one particular thing but for just being a good dude literally the best beat partner i could ask for we aren't a huge agency and it's only the two of us in our one beat of our shift we're a super busy city with proximity to blankety so it can be a lot to handle on graveyard shift which is two dudes The other beat guys have a larger area, and they're FTOs, so if we don't see them a ton, unless it's critical. When I'm down a ton of paper, Blankety Blank jumps in and handles calls that I'm primary on, so I don't have to write more. When I ask for a second unit on a stop, Blankety Blank shows up in 20 seconds because he pays attention to what's going on with the partner. By the way, everybody should be doing that, but still. When I get a little amped up with somebody, Blankety can tactfully step in and de-escalate things. Because he has a super calming voice. Weird to say, I know. When shit hits a fan, he stays calm and handles whatever comes our way. Pursuits, DVs, shootings, felony stops, frauds, all the good stuff. Whenever it is, whatever it is, Blankety can handle it with professionalism and without complaining. In our current climate of policing, especially in I can say there in California, Blankety is the kind of guy you want to wear the badge. He is an He has integrity, work ethic, job knowledge, and a true desire to help people that is unmatched. And he goes on to tell a couple of stories, but, uh, buddy, thanks for nominating your buddy, and we're going to send him a patch. Let me email him back.
1: Yes, sir. Gotta have those good people out there with you.
0: Does he deserve a air horn or an applause or a T-Rex? I'm going to give him a T-Rex. I like that. The worst thing to ever happen to the planet is me finding dinosaur noises. <laughs> I don't
1: All know right. if that's necessarily the worst thing that you've done for the planet, but.
0: I mean, there hasn't been a whole lot of good. I don't
1: know. Like then... an on tuned guitar in a garage?
0: One time.
1: <laughs> Calm down. The amount of alcohol made it, made it made it all better.
0: It's true. Community interaction, lack of police response, was your next bullet point. What do you mean by that?
1: This is where I see the the shift. Um, maybe not, maybe not a big one, but a lot of the calls I've been going on is we have a ton of pending calls, man. Like. Obviously, they're, they're triaged and prioritized like every other agency. And obviously ones and twos are the most important. But when the ones and twos aren't there, we're going to the others. And that might be three or four hours down the road. And people, the, the community, that the community members that I've, I've interacted with, they're pissed and they're like, Why the fuck did it take you guys so goddamn long to get out here? Like, I've been waiting three, four hours for you guys to come take my motor vehicle theft report. We have to explain to them. Well, community member, it is because we don't have a lot of resource anymore. I don't know if you've watched the news, but we have lost a huge number of police officers and you have to understand the city that you live in has a lot of violent crime and a lot of priority crime so it's not up to us it's out of our control we'd love to come and show up and help you with your crisis or whatever you're going through but sometimes someone's having a worse day than you you might not feel like that but that's absolutely what it is and they're like well why couldn't you just send another cop because we don't have any other cops to send you so then um a lot of those interactions turned into me you know discussing with them i'm sorry that you feel that way and uh, i wish we could do something different but it's just the way it is and it's it's a direct result of things that have transpired in the last two to three years. So that's why you don't have a lot of cops <laughs> It's because nobody wants to be a cop now. So, and unfortunately there, you. there, yeah, except for me, it was crazy enough to to be back in it, but there is a lot more criminals than there is police officers, unfortunately. So, and um, there's been a couple times where, uh, you know, I've turned my camera off and have been walking back to my car and maybe turned my head over my shoulder to be like, maybe you should vote better. <laughs> <laughs> you know, not not like turning around and actually facing them, but throwing the old chin over the shoulder and throwing a, a quick little uh, one-liner at them. But uh, there's a couple people in the beat that I work you know, and I, and I work not a nice area. It's not a horrible area, but it's not like a super nice area. The the people I think are starting to pick up on it. And I think they're starting to actually realize the, the fallout of the whole ACAB movement and the whole defund the police and all that shit. And while it was super romantic to be on that and to support that, um, once they saw it actually happen i think they're they're pretty pissed that the criminals now kind of hold the cards and are stealing cars where i work the state i work in uh, now is i think almost leading the board if it's not first or second in motor vehicle theft and i mean we or we recover on an average shift i'd say 6 to 7 cars we recover on a shift. And I think the amount of cars stolen on that shift is probably 10 to 15.
0: It's and just that's a just, property crime.
1: It's just a property crime. I mean, people don't need to get to, you know, medical appointments or cart their kids around or anything like that. And by the way, if we're going to get into that on one topic, so where I work, um, if you steal more than $2,000 worth of property, it's a felony, right? You know, the theft thing is the the intent to permanently deprive that person of their property now uh i don't know how many cars i've been on lately but well actually i just told you a lot but majority of the cars i recover are about twenty thousand dollar cars but yeah it's a it's a misdemeanor not a felony but it's still stealing property and the intent to permanently deprive that person of that property and i just uh have so much trouble comprehending why we don't charge every uh, motor vehicle theft suspect with a felony, but <laughs> Hey, I'm just the cop. I'm not, I'm not the lawmaker. So.
0: You know, the lawmakers never get it wrong. I wanted to go on a very quick rant about lack of police response, because even towards the end of my time, we're starting to get that because a lot mm-hmm. of people had already left and that I always found that incredibly frustrating because you there's one answer you say, hey look, there's only a certain number of cops and there's a lot of calls and we have to prioritize them, and, and everybody thinks that there are things you know more serious than everybody else. Like I get that to an extent, but there was a lot of people you just could not get through to them that, hey look, there's you know 24 other calls pending, we're just getting to them as quick as we can. You know if maybe maybe you you people you people what do you mean you people maybe you uh you guys shouldn't have voted for people that destroyed the city but i did want to rant really quick about the you can't win in policing kind of thing and while you were talking about you know the lack of response it kind of cracked me up i remember in my city several of the local media stations we're not friends of the police department, not to say they, they are or should be. That's more of like a a phrase. They, they would put out some hit pieces to say the least. One of them was, was, was worse than the others. And they put out so many hit pieces about the police. And I found it very funny. Uh, I was actually out here when I read this article, they were talking about a, pretty significant incident. There was injuries and stuff where the cops didn't get to for like an hour. And, you know, like where are the police? Why aren't the police responding to this thing? And the police, the PIO said, you know, we didn't have enough officers. We don't have enough people in the street to handle all the calls. Mm -hmm. And it cracked me up that this fucking news organization was like surprised by this. Like, is this not what you wanted? Are you not entertained? Exactly. So fucking, you can't win, dude. Cannot win.
1: This last uh, shift that I worked, um, we had a big priority call that took. There was ten of us working for one area, and this call took six of them away, like right out of briefing, uh, or roll call, whatever you call it, where you work. I mean, it was like, there was four of us running our entire area, which is huge. It's a, not a, it's not like a little one, you know, it's not like a, just a couple miles. Like we're talking, it is a big chunk of the city. And, um, the city at that time <laughs> Murphy's law, uh, decided to absolutely just shit its pants And I looked down several times in between calls. And I would say the four of us who, yeah, exactly. Nice and wet. The four of us who were were answering calls for service had for at least three quarters of the shift, no less than 16 calls pending the entire day for four of us and that and they just kept rolling and we'd go and handle one and then a couple more would come in and priorities and it was just like all right we're if something really bad happens say like uh no or like another one of the other scenes that we were working we're going to have to ask for mutual aid <laughs> cuz we just don't we don't have the manpower and uh that's like another day when the people were just pissed man like we, calls are pending, you know three four hours and we're trying to show up and and there's obviously no meal break in between things and barely a bathroom break like you might be able to stop at 7-eleven and we'll take a piss real quick and then get back in and head to your next priority call but i felt bad for the next shift it was coming on because i'm like man they're gonna feel like they're gonna be talking shit like we didn't do anything today and i think I ended up writing, like, seven or eight reports that day and handling, like, a ridiculous amount of calls for service. It was something, like, I would never handled before. So it was uh, eye-opening, and we kind of tried to explain to the citizens, like, well, just watch the news later tonight, and you'll understand why your police response was sold. And uh, then, you know, maybe you'll be influenced to vote in a different direction. <laughs> but that's I, not the case.
0: I wanted to transition a little bit to your family life. What has been the response from your immediate family and extended family with you going back?
1: So we'll start with a uh, numeral Uno, um, the wife. She is an absolute angel, man, like a saint. Um, we've been married for, we're well, almost 10 years and she, she wasn't jazzed about it. She, she had her reservations and she, you know, this was conversation that was had over several months. And just, I think she understood, she understands me. She understands who I am and what makes me tick. And at the end of it, she was like, listen, like, I I don't like it, but I support it. And she said, I'll always, you know, I'll always have your back. And if that's what you need to do to to, to be happy or happier then you, you've got, you got my support. So, and I know I have a, I have a young, young kiddo and she's too young to understand she doesn't get it. But, um, talking to, to my folks and, uh, some of my siblings, they're like, yeah, you're crazy, but you have our support, man. Like go get it. Just make good decisions. And so it, it's been good. And, coming home at the end of each shift and and talking to my wife and telling her about the, the nonsense. I think she's kind of adjusting back to it. I don't, I don't disclose a whole lot of information, but she can see it on my face. If I came home from, you know, like a day of where we're writing eight reports and, you know, call to call to call to call to call to call. And there's no break. And I come home and she's like, you had a rough day, huh? And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and have a shot of whiskey and eat my dinner. And I think I'm just going to probably retire to the recliner and just try and completely block my mind out for a little bit. And she's like always super cool. She's like, okay, she doesn't give me any shit about it. So I'm lucky because not every cop's wife has been like that. So, but I know that when I go to work, I know she's, She's on edge, you know, like every other spouse of a, of a cop. I'm like, Jesus, dude, you're a fucking psychopath. I don't understand why you do this. I just don't get it. And uh, it's funny. This is so cheesy. It's so fucking cheesy, but I had, I just have to, to point it out. But do you remember that scene in uh, at the end of Black Hawk Down where he's talking to the Delta guy?
0: uh i haven't seen black hawk down in like 20 years so you'll have to refresh my memory
1: so he's talking to the delta force guy after the whole big battle and um they're having this this exchange and the delta guy is like eating a plate of food and like packing magazines and trying to get ready to go back out and the other guy's kind of talking to him and he's like you know starting to pack his magazines and the, the the delta guy's like just stop dude like don't like it's okay. Like, you're, I, this is the shit I don't mind. Like, he says, I think his name was Hoot. Like, hey, Hoot, like, what are you, some kind of fucking war junkie? Like, what, you know, um, why do you do it, man? And he's like, you can't explain it to him because they'll never fucking understand. They don't get it. And that's, and it's so cheesy, but it's, it's the same thing, you know, the same kind of mindset that explain it to my wife. It's like, you, you don't get it or telling my, you know, in-laws or my, you know, brother-in-laws or whoever, like, why, why are you going back, man? Like, I'm not even going to try to explain it to you. Cause you won't fucking get it. It's just, we do what we do. You and... know, I,
0: I have to say something and I And I know your wife and she's a wonderful lady. And I mean that sincerely, sincerely, but I, I have to give props to the cop wives and you guys know, I make the jokes. But I mean, like the the actual police wives that aren't like the stereotypical police wives. But I know it's hard and I know it now more, I think, than I did. Because let's be honest, um, and this goes for police husbands, too. Apparently, there's not many of them, but I know they exist. But I think we all can recognize that there's days where we just we need a little bit of a timeout, right after work. You have a long yeah. shift. You just need that fucking timeout. We need it, okay? That that is something that will be good for us in the long run. However, and I'm not shitting on you at all. Just just so we're we're clear, because I I do this shit too. Is sometimes it's really easy to forget. Man, maybe they had a bad day, or they want to talk about something, but they're cool enough about it. They are like, all right. I got to just take one for the team here because, you know, my spouse needs a little bit of a timeout, which I I think I'm just throwing it out there for the young guys. And and maybe the guys that have been married for a while is you got to make up for that, which I didn't probably, I didn't, I didn't make up for that when I was on the job. I see that now. That is, you know, when there are those days where you really just need to kind of take a break and you don't want to talk about it, which I think is okay. I think it is good to talk about things, but sometimes you just don't want to talk about it at the moment. But recognize that, you know, your spouse is a person. They have things they want to talk about and do. So you got to be cognizant of their needs too, if that's fair. That's absolutely fair. Are you pooping?
1: No, I'm plugging my phone in.
0: Okay. I don't believe you.
1: <laughs> I guess that's for me. To know and you for you to wonder. I'm sitting at my bar. My 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 basement echoes.
0: Must be nice to have a bar.
1: I didn't always have one. It wasn't until just recently. And I, I, I,
0: it's it's nice. It's very nice. It's very nice. How much? <laughs> All right. I want to transition. There's two more things on your bullet point, and then you're not going to escape with some of my other dumb questions, but. The first one I'm going to hit is the future of the job. Yeah. What are your thoughts?
1: The future of the job, man. I, If I'm being completely honest, it's going to be like we talked about earlier. You're going to have to play the game. And I think that game is going in the same direction it was going. And... I'm not meaning to be grim here and I don't want to be, uh, negative, but I do want to, uh, address the fact that because of social media and because of, uh, political influence and all this other shit that's going on, it's not going away, man. And if we look at, uh, say the midterms, we look at all this other shit, you know, like, Politics aren't aren't changing. People are pretty set in their ways and, and their emotions and their feelings. And I think as cops, we still have to fucking go out and handle crime. We still have to go out and fucking snatch up bad guys and throw them in cages. And that's what I joined the job to do, is to take these shit bags off the street and put them in a cage and make them pay for what they did. I stand by that 100%, and that's still what I want to do. But the approach we take and the tactics we use, we're going to have to change with it. You know, like the change is happening, whether we like it or not. And that goes to an example of what I'm talking about is, you know, on body cam now doing a, a, if you're standing in a huddle, where we used to have our cameras off or, you know, muted or whatever, we would talk about what we were going to do and make a plan. But now I think it's, it's appropriate for us to cover our asses with our, our pre-planning and what we want to do on camera. So that way that that shit's discovery, you know, like, we didn't just come in here running and gun and like fucking, um, Like Wyatt Earp, you know, we didn't just go running across the river fucking cracking rounds off of people. At least now there's a little bit of discovery to be like this is what we intended to do.
0: And whether or not scares me about that though. Hmm. Is if there's any dissent, if somebody disagrees with there's always gonna be some
1: there's always well, going to be someone who disagrees. That,
0: but that's a never. No, no, no. Hold, hold on, no. I, I mean, dissent within the group. You know, because I know you go on a call and you have a bunch of different personalities and you say, all right, what do you think? Or right, I think we should do this. Ah, I don't know about this. And if there's any hesitation and you go forward with that plan and it goes south, yep. Yep. they're going to fucking kill you for it. They're going to fucking kill you for it.
1: Yep, which I and... just
0: don't think is fair because that's that's how you work through those things and honestly maybe sometimes as a group you're wrong but maybe something else happened but it doesn't matter because so they're going to look I'll, at that so you, you tell me though
1: I'll default to and this is kind of I don't want to call it a shitty answer but this is one of the things to think about is, is having your watch commander having your supervisor, sergeant whoever that might be involved in that whether they're present or not or just having them on speakerphone and being like hey LT hey sarge you're you're a part of this conversation just so you know you're you know we're on camera right now and having that that supervisor is if they're a good supervisor that supervisor will be like nope we're not doing that that's a bad idea this is what we should do wait for me I'll get there or they'll be like you know what that sounds like a good plan and, and another cop will be like I don't like that. And the supervisor will be like, no, 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 this is the plan that we're going to go with. And then ultimately whatever liability that is kind of comes off of the officers and goes on to that Lieutenant or Sergeant. And I usually
0: don't, I don't usually stick up for Lieutenants and Sergeants and stuff, but, um, I do have one thought on that and it involves sounds. Sure. But go on. It should have been a falcon. That is a falcon. That's what it sounds like. Because everybody says... That was a Ca-caw! fucking crow. That was I don't a crow. give a shit. It's a crow <laughs> falcon. But go on.
1: Anyway, uh, that, in my humble opinion, that is how it would be... That's how I would approach it for any kind of liability is to tell the next person in your chain of command... You know, not coming to them with a problem, but coming to them with a solution and being like, this is what we're this is what we want to do. This is the plan. As long as you're good with the plan, this is how we're going to execute it. And they're going to be like, yep, sounds like a good plan. Or they're going to be like, nope, we're going to do it this way. And then guess what? At that point, it takes all the liability off of you.
0: You've never and- heard of the Millennium Falcon? <laughs> <laughs> I was looking at the Falcon noises.
1: Um, yeah, but, I- but here, here, but on that note. Is, you know, because of the mass exodus of cops, uh, we have a lot of really young cops now who are becoming sergeants and maybe that sergeant, you know, isn't as experienced or doesn't have good decision making. And maybe you challenge the decision of that supervisor, if you know better. And you're like, you know what? No, fuck that. Like, this is a super bad decision. And yeah, it might look bad. And you might have to, you know, swipe a black mark across yourself and jump the chain of command and talk to someone else and be like, hey, I don't agree with this decision. And that's a risk you got to take. But that's a risk I'd be willing to take because my family is most important to me and my well-being and my safety is important to me. It's not the military anymore. And while I respect my sergeants and my lieutenants and my captains and whatever, but like if there's like a dumbass decision and they're not there and you're seeing something completely different that they're not seeing that they're thinking is better, fucking call them out on it.
0: Well, I don't disagree with that. And I think that should have been going on for a long time. But I the, the the point I will add to that too though, supervisor or not, but we'll just say for this example, our scenario here, it's a supervisor and officer. Let's say doesn't matter. You do the supervisor's plan, you do the officers plan. If one of those goes south, you play this fucking game. Well, if the officers would have done this, it wouldn't have happened. Or if the off you know, and it just I get that to an extent, obviously there has to be accountability, right? Like if somebody does something totally fucked up. But it just it just becomes impossible. Because the call could honestly like a hundred times out of or ninety nine times out of a hundred, you go with that plan and it works. And the one time something fucky happens. And it just it just I don't know. It just terrifies me for the people on the street because it's
1: so I'm crazy gonna give fucking you fucking impossible I'm, standards. I'm, I'm gonna give you a personal example of that exact decision-making logic that I experienced in recently. Okay, we went to this call uh, of a welfare check. The neighbors called on this dude and were like, "Hey, yeah, he's got this as circumstances, and this is very unlike him." Um, his garage door has been open for a long time and it is very unlike him to have that garage door open. Like he's not answering his phone. He doesn't have any family. And we're like, all right. So we show up and uh, we go pound on his door. We give him, you know, the old flashlight knock, like the super loud one where you're like leaving marks on the door.
0: we're not getting
1: it yeah we're not we're not getting any any response and i'm like thinking to myself i'm like all right you know those little hairs in the back your neck start standing up you're like all right this is this is interesting so move inside into the uh interior exterior door of the garage same thing fucking whapping on the door And there's nothing, there's no sound coming through the door. And it's like, all right, this is weird. So I turn around, I look at my partner and I'm like, I I told him, I'm like, this doesn't feel right. And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, something's telling me this, something, (laughs) this doesn't feel right. I was like, I know I don't have enough to like walk into this dude's house, but something just doesn't fucking feel right to me. And he's like, what are you going to do? And I was like, fuck it. I popped the dude's door, like, it was open. I flung his door open. And uh, I just kind of listened from the outside. I didn't go in. I'm like, kind of listening. And I could hear like a faint sound of a TV. And I'm like, all right. So I fucking whapping on his doorframe with my flashlight, making like super loud, like overly loud announcements. And uh, still no response. So I'm like, fuck it. I'm going into this dude's house. I'm going in. And he's like, what? Not just fucking? I just walked into his house. And as soon as I walked in from the garage to the kitchen, this dude was like passed out face down into his uh, like he had like he was taking out his trash. Like that's what it looked like is that he was bundling it up to like to take it out and then like have like a heart attack and then just fell face first into his trash bag. But when I came around the corner, I could hear him snoring into the trash bag, and I'm like, off oh, fuck!" So I snatch him up and I drag him out into the hallway, like, uh, or in between the garage and the kitchen, and I'm like, "All right, yeah, yeah, he's breathing, like he's." The- and so we start calling for the heroes and everyone to show up. But after it was all said and done, we were standing standing outside the call, and I'm like, "Had that dude been alive, and I just fucking walked into his house, like." And he wouldn't have been a friendly deal. I was like, I probably would have lost my job. I was like, but on the flip side of that, I was like, I walked in and there's a large chance I might have saved this dude's life. Like, I don't, I, to this moment, I don't know whether he lived or died, but I made my best effort, my best judgment, feeling like just going off a gut and going off those little hairs on the back of my neck. Like, fuck it. I'm, I'm risking it. Like, I might lose my job, but. I'm going to fucking violate this dude's rights and go into his house and I fucking walked into his house and found him and he was he was uh swirling the bowl for sure.
0: And that kid's cool. is an example of how fucked this job can be. Is you can 100%. do the right thing and it might be against policy or potentially illegal.
1: Yeah, he could have fucking taken my job if he was sitting on his couch and watching TV and I just fucking bombarded into his house and he Was like, what the fuck are you doing in my house? I could have lost my goddamn job, but
0: on the I, flip I, side of I think that you coin, had some. I think you had some facts on your side, though. I think the depending fact that on...
1: his garage door was open and he didn't, he wasn't answering his phone.
0: Yeah, I mean, but in, in today's,
1: are, in today's political on, environment, on. It's,
0: it's all about what you can articulate, right? The neighbor said it was very unlike him to do, right? Yeah, and
1: that's, that's what my sergeant said, but when I'm looking at it in the glasses of current political climate. Think about how easy it had been if you want... If that was some old person, or any person for that matter, who fucking hated the police and didn't want us in their house. I'm losing that battle.
0: Well, I mean, that goes right back to what I was saying, though. Is you can't win. You can't win. win. You can't win. I think, personally, you can articulate the whole you know, exigent circumstances based on that situation. But, uh, you know, to me, and I don't, I'm not going to ask because I don't want to know, but it depends on what you have too. You know, there's, I remember a welfare check where I I was pretty sure dude was dead inside. Nobody would heard from him for like a week kind of thing. And the family uh, showed up and they're like, are you going to go inside? And I said, Hey, look, do you guys have a key? Do you have permission to go inside? They said, no. I said, I can't break into this guy's house. Everything was locked up. You couldn't see inside. I said, I, I understand your frustration, right? You want to make sure he's okay. But as an agent of the government, I can't break into his house. I don't, I don't have enough to say that he's even in there, right? Like, what if he, you guys don't regularly talk to him. You know, what if, what if he went on a vacation and tell you guys, what if, what if, whatever, what if he's out to the store? What if he's watching a movie? Can't break into the dude's house. Maybe he just doesn't want to talk to me, right?
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: yeah. I left and uh there was a call on pending that that went to the next shift. The family broke in and found him dead mm-hmm. Now in that circumstance, it wouldn't have changed anything. He was still dead. But you know, people I think think police work is this really easy black and white thing, and it's it's truly not. It it really isn't, and there's a lot of fucking gray area, and the goalpost is always moving, always, always. moving. Yep. Now, when it, we we started this question, or or not really question, but bullet point out as the future of the job, you know, future of the job. You know, you want to know what I think the future of the job is. Yeah. It's dead. Shame. Uh, there you oh, go.
1: Oh, this is
0: better. By the way, guess who's gonna go see Metallica in two years? Dude, this guy.
1: That when that song comes on, it is literally impossible for me not to start banging my head. We got to We got to take a short pause. I got to use the bathroom.
0: You fucker! Go ahead. came
1: back yeah it's based off movement
0: <laughs> the last bullet point unless I can't read what advice do you have for guys that are wanting to leave guys and gals wanting to leave
1: guys and gals wanting to leave my advice is do it there's, there's, there's nothing wrong with it do it It, uh, for me, it was super beneficial. It gave me a lot of perspective. It, like I said, it took a, it took a year, but it it was enough time for me to make not a knee jerk reaction. Like I had enough time to be like, you know what, this is. Who I am, this is what I want, this is what I like to do, this is who I like to be around, the people I surround myself with, and people outside this job sometimes aren't the people you want to surround yourself with, and maybe that's because I come from a cop family, I'm just constantly surrounded by it, whether it's my grandfather or my whoever. But to be fair. To I be
0: fair. Be fair. I, I don't want to be a dick and take away from your moment, but I would just I I don't know. Maybe I'm just gonna keep my mouth
1: shut. I just I no, that's not we the people want content.
0: No, they don't need content, they want fart jokes and PP jokes. But I would just my rebuttal to that. I miss a lot of people on the job, for sure. For sure. I miss a good chunk of people. I miss a lot of the great fucking times we had. But I do think, unfortunately, there is a toxicity about the job and some of the people on the job. And uh, I'm a big believer in what Luke Bryant said is most people are okay. And I think there's some really decent people that are not cops and it's yeah. we can we can exist outside of that bubble that law enforcement bubble
1: oh yeah absolutely person by person basis like i i love cops and i love being around them but i think it's more so the like the gravity of being a cop like the The whole picture of it, you know, not just that like, well, I like cops or I like Marines or I like army or fucking paramedics. It's more of like, this is the lifestyle that I like.
0: I can't, I can't disagree with that because I, I do miss that.
1: I think that's what it is for me. It's the structure and it's the unknown. You know, you never know what fucking call you're gonna go on you never know what the outcome of that call is gonna be kind of always keeping you on your toes versus when you leave the job and then you go to a cubicle job like i was at where i knew what every day was gonna be and i'm like oh god this is fucking dumb (laughs) maybe that's how detectives feel but like on patrol (laughs) on patrol at least you go out and you're like you sign on you start driving around and you can create your own work if you want to, or you get that fucking the radio starts singing or something pops up on your CAD and you're like, Huh, that looks interesting. I'll go to that. Or, "Ah, oh, fuck, here we go. It's another DV or some shit. But the, the, the whole part of that is for me is just showing up to work and not knowing what's going to happen. That's cool. And then, surrounding yourself with people who are like-minded and want to go and throw shit bags in cages because there is no fucking no lack of them They're every day it, they're, we're doing something whether it's a um, shooting a stabbing a sex assault or dui autoped we're going out and at least getting those people put into a cage for a little bit so they can't go out and do it again. And if they go do it again, then it wasn't for a lack of effort.
0: You know, I I started out this podcast by calling you dumbass. And that wasn't fair. I mean, you <laughs> are a dumbass, but I uh-huh. I applaud those that stay in. I've mentioned this on some other podcasts and for me, I don't know if this felt the same way for everybody else. And the last few podcasts have been very close together, at least for me, they will be pretty spread out for you guys, but there's been kind of this weird, weird nexus. And, you know, I talked to a guy that left and, you know, I talked to a guy that kind of had a similar background. And then I talked to my brothers who kind of put some different things in perspective for me. And there was an episode where I admitted that I, I have a hard time sometimes with, the idea of quitting, and I don't know. I I think it's just one of those things you just have to deal with whatever, whatever decision you make, and you can unfuck anything. I I think if you truly love the job, I don't I don't blame anybody. You know, if you want to fucking be a cop in Chicago or New York or la or or anything else you know the the normal shitholes i like sometimes I, I shake my head and i say the fuck is wrong with these guys but you know what we need more people and, and i'm not just like you know sucking you off here is with that attitude like the attitude you have about it because ultimately, you know, no matter what my thoughts and opinions are on these fucking places that don't deserve cops, there are a lot of good people that just want to fucking go about their day. And yep. we can't we can't be another notch in somebody's belt. And I I say that as a person that left and um, I'll, you know, even though I, I say you got to move past things, it's, you know, that's who I am. I'm going to think about it and reflect on it for better or worse but like you said if you want to leave fucking leave man do what's best for you and uh, it's I not a it bad idea I mean it, like I said well, it, I don't regret it in a perfect world you know I wish there was some way for and, and I get it you know cops aren't the only people with stressful jobs but I I think you'd save a lot of cops a lot of careers and it's not I mean it's just not possible it's not possible to say, Hey dude, go take six months off. Can't do it. It's just not going to happen. But I guess what I'm getting at is, you know, in your heart, what's going to be the best thing for you. And even though it's a hard decision, I think, I think truly for the most part, people know what they need to do. You can unfuck anything. If you leave and you love it, fucking good for you. A lot of us, you know, as much as I make fun of it, it's as it being an identity, it kind of is. For some people. I love mm-hmm. I love the fucking job, man. As much as it fucking caused a bunch of unintentional issues. I loved being a cop. I'll proudly say that. It's the greatest fucking show on earth. You get to actually help people as fucking cliched as it is. But if you're done, you're done. Fucking be done. And if you want to go back, fucking go back. Do what's best for you. But I mean, I, I don't know. I have kind of gone on these rants, and I don't want to plow old ground, so to speak. But do what's best for you, man. And and I hope that you know some of the perspectives that we both shared are helpful to somebody and helps them, you know, sort some shit out, so to speak, for lack of a better word. Figure it out. Fucking figure it. Figure out. Figure figure it out. (laughs) Sort yourselves out. You want to do some dumb fun stuff me who else
1: that's what i do for a living dude fuck yeah let's do it
0: tito if that's your real name mm. what is the stupidest thing you did as a rookie stupidest thing i did is oh, fuck that's a, <laughs>
1: that's a, that's a heavy question i did a lot of stupid shit um <laughs> fuck man that's a hard one you you're going gonna to that's what she said <laughs> You know, uh, so I think one of the dumbest things I ever did as a rookie. Fuck, I don't even know if I want to say this.
0: <laughs> Maybe I should move on then.
1: No, it, it'll be worth it. I made uh, I made some decisions. I, I I relied a little too heavy on one tool at one point in my career, and that was. Yeah, I understand where I work. Um, Gunpointing was a frequent thing. And that was kind of the the thing we we relied on heavily. And I think one of the dumbest things I ever did, I I may have used that tool one time on a person that really, really wasn't. The crime was warranted. And I think I was good within policy, but it wasn't the right decision. And I think I could have. I think I could have done better job. I could have used a different tool. <laughs> I definitely used that tool on a on a like fifteen year old kid with a skateboard that wasn't using the skateboard as a, a as like a threatening weapon. And I remember like putting him in handcuffs and like realizing like that was pretty dumb. I really kind of relied too heavy on one tool other than the other because I had compliance and shit and I was just very amped up and it was a new experience for me um on the graveyard shift but probably didn't need to be uh pointing guns at people I think that was probably the dumbest thing I ever did never got bit by it not yet at
0: least Do you know in what's I've mentioned it before and I'll fucking mention it again. I just feel bad for new people because yes, I think there's an extent like we should fucking know better. God damn it. We're all fucking human. And as a human, you're going to fuck up as new cop. You're going to fuck up. And I think the, uh, the latitude for fucking up reasonable fuck ups is pretty much gone.
1: Yeah. No, I think that if, this would have been something that had popped up several several years ago i probably probably wouldn't have the same position i'm in right now <laughs> but it was good because like i said it was it was a self reflection like it was something that i realized i did that you know it wasn't like a sergeant it was no, nothing like a formal write up or any ia or anything it was more of just me being like why the fuck did I do that? That was dumb. <laughs> it felt right in the moment. And then like after everything slowed down, I'm like, um, I could have handled that a lot different and got the same result. <laughs> so I think while that being maybe one of the more dumb things I've ever done, it was probably one of the more beneficial things I've ever done. So if I can, let's feel, I feel like I'm in a job interview right now. Like, what are your weaknesses? Hmm. but i learned from it and uh i definitely won't do that shit again
0: no you won't no sir what is something you wish you knew as a young man that you do know now finances i don't even know that now
1: financial discipline <laughs> don't be a fucking idiot with your money if you don't have enough money to buy it right then and there, then don't fucking buy it. And uh, it took me the last ten years to figure that one out. I put myself through a lot of debt for unnecessary things I didn't I didn't need, uh, and I had a lot of sound advice, you know, from uh, wise people telling me. That's a bad idea, and it was just me being egotistical and being like, no, I'll figure it out. And I didn't listen to advice, and I spent my money poorly.
0: Force some blow. (laughs) I mean,
1: shh. That's for you and I to know.
0: Allegedly.
1: But but no, like, uh, if I was younger... If I was a younger guy and I'd go back and talk to myself, I would, I'd I go back and warn myself not to be a complete idiot with my money.
0: What is the proudest moment of your career?
1: Proudest moment of my career? I don't know if I've had it yet. That's
0: fucking amazing. I like that. That's a good answer. I
1: don't, I don't think I've had it yet, man.
0: Would you I want think, your kid to be a cop? Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go on. Would I
1: want my kid to be a cop?
0: No 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 yeah. no finish fin- hold on a second shut the fuck up finish your thought i interrupted you
1: i think i have so much job ahead of me that um the proudest moment my career then versus now would probably be completely different depending on what happens in the future like yeah i've done some some good things but i think there's more that i can do So I would say I don't really know. I can't really define it.
0: I heard your answer, but I'm going to ask again, just to make sure I was correct. Would you want your kid to be a cop?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I would. I think that being a cop really gives you the most incredible life experience one could actually have because, I mean, think about it. We do... Anything from the best day of someone's life to the worst day of their life and everything fucking in between. And I think that for my kid, I I would want them to be able to see the world from a much broader perspective than somebody who, who doesn't get as much exposure as us and doesn't understand the world the same.
0: I I'm going to go on a quick rant. Forgive me yep. that that reminded me something that I've been kind of thinking about a lot lately. I, I've probably said it on this podcast over the last couple of years. Is Well, I don't know if I've said it, but I've I've kind of implied some of the issues that being a cop has brought. And sometimes I, I think I used to think, well, fuck, I kind of wish I never did it because, you know, you, you have the mental health issues, you, you know, we talk about statistics don't lie, but they kind of do, right? Because you can kind of warp statistics anyway. Well, you can, warp, you can warp life experiences the same way. Is You can look at it and say, this fucking job brought me all these problems and all this shit. And that was kind of the way I looked at it up until recently. And uh, I was thinking about it not too long ago. And I, all right. Yeah, there was some uh, shit that happened that wasn't great. Not good, but that's that's only looking at one half of it. If I if I never did it. I would constantly be wondering what if what if I fucking never did it? Yeah, and I I wouldn't have had all the great experiences. I mean, if it wasn't for policing, I wouldn't have this. It's a weird fucking thing to have. It's a fucking insane thing to have. But I wouldn't have it. And it's it's crazy. I mean, it's cool. I get to fucking make a podcast and talk about a thing I really enjoy and kind of make a, a living off of it. Mm-hmm. I have a bunch of toy cars and police patches. Who the fuck doesn't want that? Total chick magnet, by the way. Yeah, you want to come down to my, my basement later and look at my police cars? But the point I'm trying to make, everybody, is, it's mindset, man. And I'll bitch and complain. I will continue to bitch and complain because it's who I am. But let's be honest. You know it. I know it. It's mindset. Your perspective, yep. your perspective on things can determine a lot of outcomes.
1: Yep. I agree with you completely. Your your perspective and mindset. It's always going to, we talk about the goalpost moving. You, the, those same things will happen. I've learned. So your, your goals and your perspectives will shift, and you just kind of have to ride that wave and figure it out for yourself.
0: Figure it out. Figure it out. All right. The next question is kind of a newer question on the podcast. Not that new. Recently, we did a podcast on alien UFO encounters. And, uh, also not too long ago, paranormal stuff. Do you have any thoughts, opinions on that? Any experiences on those subjects? I do have
1: experiences on those subjects.
0: Ooh. I've got,
1: I will share. The organization that I worked for, um, in between my, my leave of absence was something that I did prior to becoming law enforcement. And, um,
0: Mulder, yeah. is that
1: you? Yes, it is. God, the X Files is such a good show. Um, miss it. Miss the old, like the the mid nineties X Files. It was a good show. Beautiful. But anyway, um, so I worked for the DOD and um how do I say this in uh without saying it. I worked for an organization that may or may not have um, tracked such things like that. Anyway, uh, when I came back to being a cop as part of my reintegration, I had to go and do all my firearms qualification stuff, obviously, to be certified to be uh, an armed peace officer again. Well, anyway, one of these days we're sitting out at the range. It's it's like four o'clock in the afternoon. And we have an outdoor range where I work and we're on a break. Anyway, one of the other dudes that was out there, was kind of like leaning back against uh, the wall, like a big cement wall. And he was looking up and he was like, yo, what is that? And I walked underneath him, like kind of where he was at. And I looked up and I was like, what are you looking at? And he was like, look, look at that thing in the sky. And there's like no clouds, nothing like that. And there's just weird object in the sky. I'm like, oh, shit. I'm like, is it a plane or what is it? And we're looking at it and it's not moving. Like, there's no, it's not, no contrails or nothing. It's not moving anywhere. And we're both sitting there staring at it. I'm like, well, that's kind of interesting knowing what I know from my background. So I popped out my phone and zoomed in on it, right? And like, I'm sitting there for like a couple minutes and I'm like filming this thing and it's not moving. And he's like, what the fuck is that thing? And I'm like i don't know man like i don't know what that is but i'm getting pretty good footage of it and i told him i was like well how about you go run in and uh grab the range's spotting scope i was like i'm gonna keep looking at it it's not moving i was like let's look at the spotting scope he's like all right cool so he runs back he grabs this big ass whatever brand you know super big spotting scope that we use and we set it up and we're looking and uh at this point, now I set my phone down and I'm like focused on this object in the sky and I got it in the rangefinder. So I got a much better view of it. Well, anyway, it's like perfectly circular. There's no like, I mean, it's like a perfect sphere and uh, it's almost um, like translucent. Like there's no like, you can't, it's not like an airplane, it's not moving, it's not a satellite it's not a star it's not anything like this it's just kind of like a weird like a cloudy object in the sky but it's a perfect circle you can see straight through it but you can see the outline of it so i'm like well this is fucking weird man i'm like all right uh so i know there's some organizations that that look into things like this and so anyway he's like you think it's a ufo and i'm like i don't, I don't know like certainly is something weird. Like, (laughs) so anyway, uh, I send this footage to this, um, organization. We'll call it. And, uh, give them kind of a, a synopsis of what I'm looking at and give them the video proof. And they do kind of a more comprehensive investigation on it. And they, um, to kind of backtrack to the beginning of this whole story, this object in the sky is hanging out over uh, a military area, a military base. I think that's important to note. And that's where I worked for that organization. So anyway, several weeks passed by and then they, they send me back their the investigators report and they d- declared it an unknown because there was no um, planes or anything, there was no uh, flight data. There was no, no. They couldn't. They couldn't explain it. There's no explanation. And they sent me some of the images um, that they did. They kind of ran through their systems and their more sophisticated uh, software, and it ended up in a nutshell, being unidentified. So I thought that was pretty cool. So then like three weeks later, I'm out on a, a road going back towards where our academy's at, and I'm facing in an eastward direction, and it's like 5.30 in the morning, so the sun's still down but kind of starting to poke up. And again, it's super clear day and i see an object kind of hanging out doing the same thing so i stop and i'm like looking around i'm like yeah there's no stars out this is weird so i start filming it again and anyway a couple more of those little objects end up popping up like whoop, like out of nowhere and they're hanging out with it and I'm now the sun's really coming up so i'm, I'm like all right shit, i gotta get a better vantage point so i start driving past the academy going east and there's nothing out in that direction and the sun came up into this point where like i couldn't see anything anymore and um i stopped and i kind of pulled over and then i was getting ready to like get out of the truck to start filming again and could still see it with my eye kind of and then it just went and disappeared and i'm like what the what fuck? the man fuck? this is fucking crazy <laughs> so but anyway uh yeah, dude, that was a, a UFO experience for me, and um, kind of a, uh fucking weird. I don't know. So, I yes, if you're asking my question to paranormal and UFO shit, yes, I believe in them.
0: I'm kind of of the opinion some of the stuff, and I base this on, people said some things on the Alien podcast that made sense to me is, let's be honest, the government doesn't always tell us the truth about things. Oh, I, 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 would I thought not they mean, were
1: all know all.
0: Yeah, no all being all knowing, but all I knowing all knowing. Yes, I I think some of it is probably the government, you know, experimenting with whatever. But I would, you know, it's very plausible to me that there's there's aliens and shit. There's again, many Do you times watch said before, show? we don't fucking know shit.
1: Do you watch the show Skinwalker Ranch on History Oh,
0: my God. People need to stop talking about skinwalkers. I got in an argument online with somebody about that. I've never seen the show, but somebody left some comment about like, oh, skinwalkers are real. It's common in Colorado and Nevada to talk about it. I'm like, motherfucker, I lived in Colorado for fucking 30 plus years. Nobody talked about skinwalkers. Then all of a sudden, these fucking skinwalkers show up. I don't know shit about it.
1: Watch the show, dude. The show's good. Especially like the third season, hard no. It's it, oh a huge hard yes. You should at least expose yourself to it. And if you're interested, I'll share. Uh, I'll share some video with you.
0: Well, if it's the video we already talked about, yes, and then I'll watch the alien video too. I'm into it.
1: Oh, I'm into it deeply. Paranormal, yeah. I've had some weird kind of ghostly shit happened. You can't really explain. Um, just weird things. Like you see like furniture moving, you know, like that doesn't need to be moving. Like I remember one time uh, walking in and seeing, I have this like lamp um, that kind of hangs over my couch. And uh, there's obviously in my basement, there's no air or anything moving. And just this lampshade. when I walked in the basement was swinging. I'm like, okay, that's fucking weird, and I just turned around went back upstairs and never thought about it again.
0: (laughs) Love them? I love Lamp. Brick, are you just looking at things in the office and saying that you love them? I love Lamp. Do you really love the Lamp, or are you just saying it because you saw it?
1: (laughs) Such a good movie. (laughs) Such a good fucking movie.
0: I, I can't believe when people tell me they don't like Will Ferrell.
1: That's my wife. That's my wife, and it's a constant
0: fight. It, I take everything not, nice about that I said about her back.
1: Dude, we don't fight, and the only time we get into fights, it's over Will Ferrell
0: in comedy movies. That's it. Hold on, I got to pull up another soundbite. You are a smelly pirate hooker,
1: <laughs> Tits McGee,
0: <laughs> sir. In your humble opinion, what is the best police car of all time?
1: Best police car? Yeah. The fucking Nova.
0: You are fake
1: news. Like the, the mid-80s. What I mean. the fuck? I
0: don't even know what that is. What? I mean, I know what a Nova is, but I didn't know they were police cars. Uh, yeah, where I live. And
1: For then me. obviously like the Starchy, uh, Starsky and Hutch Caprice, like the old Caprices.
0: Oh, I wasn't thinking, okay, I was thinking, like, Novas were two-door, too, weren't they? Yeah, up. Okay, but these are four-door Novas.
1: No, I'm I'm talking, like, mid-80s.
0: Ah, I guess they're okay. I've seen worse. They're V8s. You know what actually is a underrated police car? Which
1: one? 1978.
0: Dodge Monaco, dude. You're going back to like my grandpa's era, bro. Yeah, just saying. Actually, I can't. That's a Blues Brothers reference, by the way. You ignorant slut.
1: Never got into Blues, blues Brothers.
0: What? That's the greatest. I, movie I know who of they time. are. I,
1: I've seen. I've seen it, but I never like got. That was just not one of the movies that I grew up with. Oh we got both kinds. We got country and western. <laughs>
0: we've we've had we've had some serious discussions in between the PP jokes. But the people need to know as an adult, Tito, have you shit your pants? That
1: the answer to that is absolutely.
0: Oh, and it's just like that. Do you have a good story for us? Like I
1: I've never like intentionally willingly just been like man, i'm gonna shit my pants nor should you by the way by the way
0: i fucked up it's a 1974 dodge monaco my humble apologies
1: man dude you're just looking over there google imaging shit and stuff or what
0: yeah i fucked up man i'm so sorry i should know it's okay
1: i was way before my time
0: so okay zoomer anyway pooping your pants
1: Oh yeah, dude. I uh m- more than once, I'm afraid. Uh, <laughs> I uh <laughs> I have coughed. I have coughed so hard I've shit my pants.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh god.
1: That brings me I joy. Got- <laughs> I went into a coughing fit uh <laughs> while driving one time and uh <laughs> cough so hard I, I shit my pants pretty bad and I had to uh, <laughs> I had to pull over a <laughs> <an assassin> situation. <laughs> and, and, it, it it was a very, very wet turd. Not even a turd. It was just a full-blown like splat. And uh I had to put I had to <laughs> Take the, I had my, my the truck mat or the floor mat on my truck and I'd just shake it out in the parking lot and then ride home sitting on my fucking floor mat. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> that was like, I wasn't even sick. I just, like... you know, when, like you start laughing real hard or something, like you get into a coughing fit and for no yeah. good reason. And then I coughed and <laughs> I, uh, I shit myself.
0: I've, uh, this isn't the first time it's happened, but you know, the last podcast I mentioned, I lost my voice and I'm, I'm starting to get it a little bit here, but I think we'll be fine. But so I've been coughing a little bit and every once in a while I'm sick, you know, you get in those coughing fits and uh, you know, you just little, you lose a little bit of control of your butthole and you know, you let out a violent fart and those always worry me. And I had one the other day where I was like, I just shit my pants. There's no way I didn't shit my pants. And, Luckily, it was dry, but it could have been bad.
1: (laughs) Have you ever heard of a turtle kiss?
0: (laughs) Enlighten us.
1: Turtle kiss is like what you'd think of, like a a little, like a turtle head poking out of the shell and then touching whatever, you know, like whatever objects it was facing and then deciding to go back into its shell. (laughs) I've turtle kissed mine before (laughs) on (laughs) the way home. Like, it's, or you could call it prairie dog and <laughs> I think the turtle kiss is a little bit more of a an accurate description because your poop doesn't move super fast like in and out of the hole but like a turtle poking <laughs> its, a turtle poking its head out and being like hello and, I like mm-hmm. turtle. <laughs> and that sound clip was from that little kid with the, with the face painting
0: yeah that
1: was a great. That's
0: a great clip. That's one of the best viral videos ever. And now for something completely different. Good sir, Tito, my good buddy, do you have? And we've talked a lot about wisdom, so I almost didn't ask, but I have to ask because that's what I do. Do you have any words of William? Wi- words of William. That's what we'll start calling it. Do you have any words of wisdom for the millions and millions of listeners out there?
1: Words of wisdom. We're we talking about like serious wisdom.
0: Anything, man. It can be bullshit. It can be serious. The floor is yours.
1: The old uh... anytime. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: oh, I got I got one for you. Hopefully, it won't get you canceled. Okay. Words of wisdom: to pussy and gunpowder. Love the smell of both, but die by one.
0: It's science. It really is. I don't know how to follow that up. <laughs> I never thought about dying to pussy or gunpowder. But you really put it in perspective there.
1: It's the truth and it goes all the way around. Anybody? Anybody really? Well, I guess not everybody, but
0: What the fuck are you even talking about? What are you I trying to say?
1: I I don't want to say it. Get you canceled.
0: We'll say it right now and I'll decide. Um, not everybody likes pussy. So the smell of semen and gunpowder? Gun, gun gunpowder?
1: <laughs> yes, the smell of semen and gunpowder. What what are we talking about? I don't
0: even know what's happening right now.
1: <laughs> I don't know. We're so far off track. I need another shot of whiskey. You want to take a shot of whiskey?
0: Uh, I'll take a sh- I'll take a shot of whiskey with you. Fucking do okay. it. Okay. Down the hatch. You know we're at the end no, of the podcast, but fuck it. We're,
1: we're at the end of the podcast, but this is what I'm going to do. I'm pouring a drink I'm, right now.
0: I'm going to take a. Sh- I'm going to drink it out of the bottle because I don't have a shot glass down here. I have a nice, nice shot glass
1: right here. Okay, I just poured a, a hefty shot, and I in in a, in a more serious. I mean, I've been kind of a goofball, but. This shot is to all you cops out there and to the the new, the young, the old, the salty, and the crusty, and the fucking bitter. Thank you guys for everything you guys do. And I know that this job is a thankless job and it sucks and it's great and then it sucks and then it's great, but no matter what, I'm taking this shot of whiskey to you guys and I'm happy to be uh standing out there with you. So, here you go.
0: Delicious. Stings the nostrils. It's called Odeon by Sex Panther. You know what they say? 60% of the time, it works every time. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Should we just do a bunch of anchor man quotes now?
1: Anchorman fucking stepbrothers
0: well you certainly know how to compliment a woman well if you'll excuse me do you know who I am no I I can't say that I do
1: I don't know how to put this
0: but I'm kind of of a big deal really people know me I'm very happy for you at this point, if you're still listening to the podcast, we're just getting drunk and saying a bunch of shit. Very, very important shit. Look <clears throat> over here. Excuse me, Veronica. Yes, what is it, bro? I, I would like to extend to you an invitation <laughs> to the pants party. <laughs> Excuse me? The party. The Back pants parties? with the pants party with pants. Brick, are you saying that there's a party in your pants and that I'm invited? That's it. Did Brian. T- such a <laughs>
1: such a good movie, dude. Ah man. Well, I appreciate you having me uh as a guest, man, and
0: it jumped awesome. up a notch. It did, didn't it? Yeah. It did. I stabbed a man in the heart. I saw that. Brick killed a guy. Kill. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sorry. Say your goodbyes. I'll stop playing sounds, probably. Hey okay, bye. Well, no, I got to do my outro, you dumb fuck. Oh. I thought you were going to oh. actually say goodbye and just not like, bye. But well, that's what I normally do. I know you do. I should have known better. <clears throat> um, You guys know what to do. Sports podcast. Um, today is November 30th, which is apparently Spotify tells you what your favorite podcast day is, and I am I know this is old news for when this podcast comes out, but I am fucking humbled how many people had this shitty podcast as their number one, and the thousands of fucking minutes you wasted on me, I appreciate it. You guys have done, we're getting towards the end of the year, got some fun things planned out for the next couple of weeks for the most part. I mean it's all fun right that's a stupid thing to say but i got some fun stuff planned and i appreciate you guys supporting the podcast buying merch taking care of the sponsors being the monthly donors that's what i appreciates about you so from my friend tito to you remember cannonball and i love most of you very Bye-bye.
1: important and urgent news message